Welcome to the NSFW Dynasty Podcast. And that is our stock opening music as we wait on DJ Dirty Work to provide us with some exclusive tunes. I am your host, Dave Reed, joined by my co-hosts, Joey Gallo and Ryan Wilkinson. What's up, guys? Yeah, Happy to be here. Yes, we are. We are in episode two. We made it, guys. And uh, we got a beast of a show for you today. After a little more than two weeks, we officially and finally finished our startup draft last week. We are going to run through all the trades that went on during that draft, the best and worst picks of the draft, give each team a draft grade, and a quick look ahead at next week's rookie draft. We got a lot to cover, so I do think it'll take a little less time than the first round of our draft did. But with that, let's just jump right into it. So throw out some of the draft stats that we had. There were three pre-draft trades and 15 mid-draft trades for a total of 18 trades. There were 74 picks or assets that were traded during that, and 11 out of the 12 teams and leagues were involved in at least one of those trades. Mike Hafford and Mike Williams did not participate in any stepping up guys. Um, and then Schluter led the charge with eight total trades, nearly half of the trades that went down. Second place was a tie between uh, Scott and the Rosinski Bros with five trades apiece. Yeah, I'm not at yeah, all surprised to uh, see Schluter on there. He just loves trading to trade. And then Scott and Matt, I think it was pretty clear that they went in with the strategy of trading back for more mid-round guys. So seeing them as the top three makes a lot of sense. Pretty awesome to see guys just going out there and, uh, you know, deciding who they want and doing what it takes to get their, to get those guys on their team. You know, I think that was the approach that I wanted to take going in and uh, seemed like a lot of people followed suit. So it was, it was a fun draft. It was one of the more fun drafts that I've been a part of. I know we were making a lot of jokes about the length of time it was taking, but uh, I've never been in a, in a, a draft where there were that many trades. So fun times. Yeah, and I have to say, I, I had never done a dynasty draft before, and I figured the first round would take a while, so I wasn't too shocked there, but I was definitely surprised at how long the second, third, fourth rounds went, as I think everyone was, but I have to say, I thought it was awesome. I had a ton of fun, and like way more fun than a redraft um, startup draft, so I, I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah, and I, I mean, I just thought it was awesome that, about how much participation we got. Like, like Joey said, I've never seen so many trades, but I also never seen so many owners participate in trade. Usually have like maybe half the league are like really active. And like, even though I know Kaffer and Mike Williams didn't actually get one done, it wasn't that they weren't in discussion. So it's cool to see that everyone's like willing to try to get a trade done, which will set up for a good year. Um with that, I figured we'd start jumping into some of those trades. Uh, last pod, we did talk about some of the pre-draft trades, and I just want to quickly touch upon those. I don't want to spend too much time there since we already talked about them. But there were a couple of uh, pretty significant trades before the draft happened. So the first one was our very own Ryan Wilkinson uh, traded with Schluter. Um, Schluter was trying, uh, trying to move back, and Ryan and Sean were trying to move up in the first round to get a second first-round pick. Those player equivalents turned out to be a trade of the Wilkinsons giving up Tyreek Hill, T. Higgins, J.K. Dobbins, Derrick Henry, and the rookie 201 for Justin Fields, Ramadre Stevenson, Isaiah Pacheco, Jordan Love, and the rookie 207. Uh, none of these players, I think, were actually drafted by these uh, teams. These, all these assets, were, for the most part, were used for subsequent trades. 
But overall, from a value standpoint, I'd say it's pretty even uh, overall there. But I wanted to see if you guys had any other thoughts. Yeah, I mean, Stevenson's the only one that ended up actually on our team. So like you said, it's kind of hard to you know, compare the trade when so much happened after that. But I think it did end up pretty fair on both sides. And we both ended up using those assets in different ways later on. Yeah, I was going to say, um, it, the biggest thing to me, the biggest outcome of this deal was that it uh, ultimately led to Team Wilkinson ending up with Allen and Hertz at QB. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if that was the big downstream, that could have repercussions for a lot of time, a lot of years to come in the league. So, yeah, for sure, and it is, and we'll get into the other trade, but it's cool that a lot of teams were thinking multiple trades ahead. It wasn't just this is the trade I'm getting these guys. Like I got this trade, how can I continue to improve? And with that being said, Schluter immediately made another trade uh, uh, after this trade was done. So he then traded pl- uh, picks that turned out to be T Higgins, Tua, uh, Tua and Derrick Henry to the Rosinski Bros for players that turned out to be Trevor Lawrence, Joe Mixon, and Jamison Williams. So Schluter moved out of the first round and then immediately moved right back in there. And in this trade, I think Schluter got like incredible value. I thought that was like a really good move for him. Yeah, I thought he got really good value with that trade. You know, the 108 pick moved hands so many times. I think I ended up with Dave. <laughs> yeah, that, right, again, dude. It's kind of hard to, to talk about this trade and the players that – ended up with each pick, but I definitely would take Schluter's side of the trade. I think he made out better than the Rosinski's on this one. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's tough to assess this one given the fact that the, that 108 changed hands up a number of times. But in a vacuum, I think I would have liked the trade better for Schluter if that pick was ultimately used on Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. I think that the value there for that first round pick would have been a little bit more, but um, I think ultimately he would then turn the 108 into uh, um, a a trade up for Lamar Jackson. So Mm -hmm. again, it's it's kind of about getting your guy. And in that instance, if he was ultimately trying to end up with Lamar as his QB one, which he assuredly was, and it got the job done. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to make a major step up. So the way you get to those values, you take two incremental trades to make it, a little easier for the seller to, to give you that uh, the more valuable piece. But there was one other pre-draft trade by, again, surprise, surprise, Schluter. Uh, Schluter, yet again, uh, made another trade to, as Joey mentioned, to move up a little bit further into the first round. He traded that 108, which was uh, we mentioned was turned into Trevor Lawrence and a player turned into J.K. Dobbins, Scott Rapazzotti, for the 105, which turned into Lamar Jackson that came Akers. Uh, as we know, Schluter is a Ravens guy, uh, so we kind of all knew he was moving up for Lamar. Uh, but as you mentioned, you go and get your guy, so I have no problem with that. Yeah, I actually think this was one of Scott's better trades. He only moved back three mm-hmm. spots in the first, but moved up three rounds from the seventh to the fourth. I think Schluter maybe overpaid a little bit for Lamar, but obviously, like you said, he's a Ravens guy, and if you want your guy, you don't want to risk it. So he went out mm-hmm. and got him. Yeah, I mean, I personally view Dobbins as a significantly greater asset than Akers. So in this particular instance, I think the gap between Dobbins and Akers is larger than the gap between um, Jackson and Lawrence. But uh, again, 
you got to get your guy. And if you're a big Ravens guy and you want Lamar on the squad, I completely understand it. So at, at the end of the day, right, like there's Lamar has just as much upside with his rushing and the fact that they've added a lot of weapons in the passing game. And I think the offense is going to look a lot different this year. And, you know, I'm just like not so sold on Trevor Lawrence, which I think will be a, a common theme of my commentary in this entire pod. But you know. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of where I stand on this one. Awesome. Well, those are the pre-draft trades. And then we had our first uh, in-draft trade. I think it took us uh, about, what, 17 hours for this trade to finally happen. <laughs> this, this pick was on the clock for. So the Wilkinsons were on the clock with the 107 that they acquired. And, and mind you, they had the 101 already. They took about seven and a half of the eight hours plus the, what is it, 10 hours that we had overnight to, to finally get this deal done. Yeah. But it was definitely worth it. It was a blockbuster. So they ended up trading the 107, uh, the 608, the 806, the rookie 112, and the 207 to Croak, who had already drafted at the 103, Jalen Hurts. So this is a move to get Jalen Hurts. Uh, and they with Jalen Hurts, they got basically garbage in the 25th round and 26th round pick. Those are basically players you will cut eventually. But they did get a 2024 first, which I found to be an interesting piece of the deal. Um, and Crope basically turned the 107 to Justin Fields. So effectively, Crope downgraded from Jalen Hurts to Justin Fields, and he got to pick up Pacheco, Jordan Love, a late first and mid-second, and he did give up a future first. So I personally thought this was, like, really good value um, for Crope. But I also, like, if you're making a move for an elite guy like uh, Jalen Hurts, you're not you're not doing this at fair value. You have to overwhelm someone. Um, to make that happen, which I, I think the Wilkinson did to get their guy, and I, I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, I do think personally that Fields could has a lot of similarities that Jalen Hurts about Jalen Hurts had about a year ago. Now we know Jalen Hurts is that, and that and there's value in like knowing what the asset is. We don't know what Fields is going to do if he can make that step up, um, but there is potential that Fields could get. In closer to that tier to make this a lot more favoring pro, but wanted to get uh, your guys' thoughts. Obviously, we have the man involved in the trade here too, so it'd be great to get his, his insight as well. Yeah, I'll let Joe go first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, again, hindsight being twenty twenty here, I think I would agree with Dave that from an asset perspective, um, I would say Croak won this trade. I think he made the right move and picked up some good assets to, to only move back um, to, I would say, to make what I would consider to be a acceptable downgrade from Jalen Hurts to Justin Fields. Um, the assets that, um, that he ended up with, with the 608 and the 806, which he um, acquired, I'm not a huge... Jordan Love guy. I'm not a huge Isaiah Pacheco guy. And I think taking a look, again, hindsight being 2020, Traylon Burks could have been uh, taken with that 608. Mike Williams could have been taken with that 806. So if you kind of look at a package of Justin Fields, Traylon Burks, Mike Williams for Hertz, you know, for me, that's probably a move I make. And if you throw in 
the two additional rookie picks. So asset wise, it, it was the right move. And, you know, for me, uh, I might've gone different directions with those picks, but you know, I, I, I like the trade for both sides and I commend both of you guys. I mean, well, the QB situation you have is legit. Silly. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, Crope did pretty well for himself too. Though. Yeah. So obviously, uh, as Dave mentioned, it took a long time. <laughs> I say it's funny. We really thought Crope was going for Jefferson. So we were actually shocked when he then took fields. Um, to me, I'll start there. I think, you know, if I look at the players that Crope ended up drafting, I actually like it even a little more for us. I think, you know, it definitely can work out for him. And I think it was a very fair trade. I'm not saying that we had the better side of it at all, but I think Fields is actually a pretty big downgrade to Hertz. He wasn't even on teams in redraft leagues for the first half of last year. And then he was rushing for like 200 yards a game, which is not sustainable. And then kind of like Joe said, I'm not a huge love or Pacheco fan. So like seeing those guys used as those picks, neither one of them really uh, is, you know, up there for me. And then the rookie picks, I will say at the time we kind of looked at it as, well, if we're taking Hertz from Crope, then the 2024 first might actually be a little more valuable there's some trades that happened later on that we'll get into that, uh, mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, lowered the value of that pick a little bit. Uh, and then for the picks we gave up, you know, we were giving up the last pick in the first round and we had already mm-hmm. traded back in the second round. So to us, those really weren't super, super valuable picks. So even, you know, I would have taken the 2024 first over both of those rookie picks this year, uh, anyways. So, we still like the trade. We like the way it worked out. Our whole goal yeah. going into it uh, when we traded with Schluter initially was to grab two top QBs. And when it turned out we could get Hertz, we felt that we were getting two QBs that are kind of a tier above everyone else but a Mahomes. So we're going to ride with them and see how it works out. Yeah. I mean, I have no problem with that trade at all. Like, again, when you're going for any, basically anyone in the first 10 picks in this draft for the most part, uh, you have to overwhelm. Like, in, we'll say this, like, after Jeff, you try to get any of these guys going forward. If you, like, do calculators and, you, and it comes out fair trade, it's never going to get accepted. Like, no one is yeah. ever going to say, you have to go big. And then this is a big boy trade, and you did, like, and I, again, I don't think this is, like, an overpay or overwhelming. I think Croak got, like, better value, but that's yeah, what it takes. Like, that's what you need to t- get to accept the trade. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. If if we tried to trade for Hertz right now after the draft, I don't think it happens. So I think mm-hmm. we kind of looked at that too. We're like, this is probably our only shot to get someone like that. You know, if, if we had Fields, Pacheco, and Love and we offered them to him for Hertz, <laughs> I don't know if it's guaranteed that he takes it with his 2024 first. So, yeah. No, very true. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's where the fireworks started. Um, and they didn't stop. The first round continued to have a lot of moves. So we move right in. At the uh, very next pick, another trade was going on. It was the continually moving 108. Uh, ultimately ended up in my lap. 
Uh, so I was at the 111 and I wanted to move up to the 108. So I ended up packaging my 111 with the 311 and 402 uh, to get the 108, the 408, and the 412. So moving back a little bit with those two later picks to, to move up three spots. Those players turned out to be me giving up A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, and Austin Eckler to Scott for the player who I eventually drafted and Joe Hates and Trevor Lawrence, T.J. Hawkinson and J.K. Dobbins. Um, and... Joe, we'll lead into it. I also was very, and like Ryan knows too, because I was talking to him about this, very conflicted with this pick uh, between Lawrence, Chase, and JJ. Um, JJ is definitely the value. And like if I was in Ryan Shoot and I already had a quarterback picked up, that's who I would have gone with. I actually personally like Chase long term more than JJ. I don't know if that's like spicy or not, but I, I, I think I Chase is the better dynasty asset than JJ. Uh, but ultimately, I was looking at the whole scheme of my picks, and I knew I could get a, a higher-end wide receiver in the next pick, so I went with Lawrence and paid up for it to get my guy because I was like, this is a tier-break quarterback for me. Um, I don't like any quarterbacks after Lawrence, and I think Lawrence can be in that upper echelon eventually. But Paid up for it, but when I hear your guys, so rip, rip it into me. I want to hear So I'll start, and then I'll let Joe rip into you because I actually liked your side of the trade. I have to say, if Sean and I kept the 107, we were probably going to take Trevor Lawrence. I liked him more than Fields, and we were just debating between him and and Jefferson. Um, So I like the move up for Lawrence. I don't think you actually gave up that much. Like, you gave up, you know, a a late third and an early fourth for two fourth-round picks. That, to me, I don't think Scott made you really pay enough because it I agree with you. I think there was kind of a tear break there. So I liked it. Yeah. So not going to, not going to totally, <laughs> totally rip into you on this one because I, I, I get it right. Like I was in a very similar position to you at that time where the quarterback situation was looking bleak and <laughs> more quarterbacks were going. I, I think just like general like commentary on how that first round went, I was not expecting I was expecting that Jefferson and Chase would go before Lawrence and Fields. So that was kind of a curveball. I mean, playing devil's advocate, Scott basically ends up with the unanimous startup draft 101 player, like non-superflex 101. And granted, we're we're playing in a superflex format here. Um, A lot of the rankings that that you would look at out there, even for a super flex, would have, you know, your top three or four guys at QB and then Chase and Jefferson. So to, to, to lock in Jefferson there, um, when, you know, you can make the argument that, like I said, Lawrence still probably has a little bit to prove as a long-term asset. I mean, he definitely has the pedigree. He definitely had a, a, a very strong season last year. So the odds are certainly in his favor, but, um, you know, I, I, I think that Jefferson is very valuable and uh, I don't, I wouldn't say that I, I appreciate the where, where Dave makes that move to lock in uh, the quarterback at the back end of the tier. Uh, but I also think that, I mean, as somebody who also moved up in the first round to lock in the other wide receiver of those two a- after feeling like, they um, were slipping back far beyond their actual value. Um, it's hard to hate the, the Jefferson side there. 
Yeah, I mean, and I was in uh, full transparent. I w- when I was on the clock, I was very torn. I tried to trade with Adam for the next pick to get JJ. I then tried to trade with Harry and DaCosta, and they just said no at night. And then the very next morning, find out what happened with the next trade. They ended up making uh, the trade. They traded back with our very own Joey Gala. They ended up trading their 110 and the 603 to Joey for the 201 and the 401. So they moved back three picks and they moved up about two rounds, which is a steep price. But again, this is where, in my opinion, the hyper, hyper elite assets of the of this draft were going to fall off. I think Chase for the last of it. So Joey moved up. He effectively traded Garrett Wilson and Drake London. When you look at the names, is a pretty steep price. Uh, to get Jamar Chase, Jahan Dotson, who ultimately wasn't drafted by Joey, but is another valuable piece there. But um, I I love the move to go up and get Chase, think a high high end uh, asset. But also like for Dan and Harry, like those two wide receivers are two of the better wide receivers in Dynasty as well. So, but let's hear hear what you guys think. Yeah, this is a close mm-hmm. one for me. <laughs> On paper, mm-hmm. I think it it is pretty fair. I might actually lean a little more on the Harrison DaCosta side just because, like you said, I think, you know, if you look really long term about it right now, Chase is no doubt one of the top dynasty assets. But Wilson and London could both be up there in a year or two. Um, So I I think it might have been a little too steep for me, but I do totally get it right now. Jefferson and Chase by far the top two receivers. So, you know, you want to move up into that tier. You, you're going to have to pay a price. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much what it came down to for me. Uh, my opinion was essentially that Fields uh, and uh, that Jefferson and Chase should have gone to three picks earlier than they did. Um, like Dave was saying earlier, right? Like at this point in most dynasty non superflex formats, Chase and Jefferson are essentially the top two, one or two, yeah, or two as untouchable assets on a mm-hmm. recent, uh, Ballers podcast. Um, so to be able to move up and lock in Chase as hopefully you know a cornerstone piece for the for the roster, um, and also keep my first round pick so that I would have uh, an earlier shot at. Um, QB. Like, I think I, in, in my mind, I was thinking that, you know, if Harry and Dave came back to me and said, no, we want your, your, you know, 112, then I would have said, all right, well, then I'm going to send you back my fifth instead of my sixth, or I'm going to want your fifth instead of your sixth, because I kind of viewed that as, as a decent um, break, right? Because, again, another thing that we're going to probably get to later on is that I actually think Kyler is pretty undervalued in uh, Dynasty right now from a quarterback standpoint. And uh, if you look at his pedigree and what he's actually been able to do over the last however many seasons with uh, quite a bit of production, um, I'm not like totally sure where it's like such a general consensus that guys like Fields and Lawrence are being drafted before him. So for me, it was all right, you know, like I get to lock in a uh, a stud at the wide receiver position and also a guy who I think is pretty undervalued and I'm, and I'm probably getting a decent bargain with at a QB as well. So, I mean, uh, happy with the way that it turned out and 
I think that, you know, as far as, you know, fair and balanced, it's, uh, it was, you know, worked out pretty well for both of us. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it was just more of the theme, like going up and getting your guy. It happened again. Like the first round, like I feel like half the picks got traded. And the next trade as well, after the 110 got traded, the 111 got traded as well. Scott just kept moving back and, and Schluter kept finding ways to get back in the first round. So uh, Schluter traded up. He traded his 206, 307, and 508. Scott's move up and get the 111, the 905, and the 2024 first. Uh, so in this, Schluter gave up, who ended up being Christian McCaffrey, Tua, and Joe Mixon. Scott, who effectively gave up A.J. Brown, Brian Robinson, and 2024 first. So Schluter clearly wanted to get another high-end uh, wide receiver and, and thought highly of A.J. Brown and somehow scooped up another 2021st there too. So he's also uh, not only getting current year assets, but he's getting some future draft capital. But what are your guys' thoughts there? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure what uh, your take is here, Rod, but I actually like the, the, the Scott side here. Uh, you know, I, I do think long-term AJ Brown is the best asset, if you will, but, CMC to a Mixon, while I have longevity concerns about all three of them, and Mixon's over the hill, and I think that there could be there could be two, maybe three, really really strong years still ahead for the the the, the three of those guys, and when you're talking about that for potentially you know one guy in the future first, um, you know I, I like the I like the production profile of the trio there that Scott was picking up. Or that, yeah. Yeah, I, this is where I lean towards. I think Scott just traded back a little too much. If he would have picked here, I think I would have liked it better. But he not only traded back again, he also gave up his 2024 first. So I don't know. I lean towards Schluter's side of it. I like trading up to get AJ Brown there. I think he could definitely be the cornerstone uh, for quite a few years. So I lean a little toward. Shooter side, but I do see, you know, McCaffrey, Tua, and Mixon are all pretty good assets, and Scott should, you know, be pretty good with those guys going forward. So I think it was pretty fair, but I, I would, I don't love the trade back on Scott's part there. So I'd lean towards Schluter. Yeah. I mean, this is what I love about it and why dynasty trades are pretty fun too. It's the values of players are that are so much wider than in redraft. Like it's very set in stone. Redraft dynasty, the way people value it is completely different. Obviously, we have two different viewpoints, and that's why trades get done more often in dynasty as well because of those viewpoints. There, um, I think. Like, I thought Scott got really good value there, mainly because of the drop off to the nine hundred five is a pretty big gap. But to your point, the twenty twenty four first could be pretty valuable as well. Um, That'll definitely be an interesting one to kind of see how that one turned out. I actually don't think all those players ended up on Scott's team. These were two of the more active players um, in, in the trade market, but that will that is definitely an interesting one. The next one we got um, is one where it definitely seems when you look at the names like uh, a pretty pricey uh, tag to move up, but uh, one that I could definitely see working out. So Croak wanted to move up. He had been talking about this to me pre-draft as well. He wanted Travis Kelsey. And, and we're also, a reminder, a tight end premium format. So that means tight ends get a full point per reception where everyone else gets only a half point. So Travis Kelsey definitely carries extra value, especially in the current year. 
Uh, he was drafted at the 205, and he traded with Matt Brzezinski for. He traded away his 210, so he moved up five spots. And to do that, he gave up his rookie 110, which is definitely a uh, not a cheap price. But when you also see the name that's associated to the 210, was Jonathan Taylor, who's a very valuable dynasty asset. And I think even maybe last year, if we were doing this startup draft, he was probably a top three, top five overall pick. Uh, maybe not in super flex, but in, in single quarterback leagues, he was top three, top two. He had a down year last year, but he's still a top three, top five running back. So you give up that and a back end rookie pick to move a five and get Travis Kelsey, who will dominate this year, but is getting a little bit older. Um, it's a, it's definitely an opinion of like what it's more opinion. What are you trying to do this year? I do think Jonathan Taylor is also a win now piece, but I do see the massive advantage you get in Travis Kelsey by making this move. So, what do you guys think? Well, I think uh, you're definitely right on Taylor. I think when the trade was made, though, you didn't know Taylor was going to be there for Matt's pick. I was yep. shocked that he just kept falling and falling. At the time, this trade killed me. I thought it was actually a, a great trade on Gropes, Gropes' part, which I hated because we have his 2024 <laughs> um, I think Kelsey is just a super, super valuable asset. Uh, instantly makes Gropes' team a contender this year. Um, you know, I, I would do it. I think he only, you know, we're looking at it as he gave up Taylor, but at the time he only – you know, moved up five spots for a rookie 110. So I personally would have done the trade. I think it makes this team really, really legit. And, you know, running backs are just so hit or miss. He had a down year last year. Let's say Kelsey retires in two to three years. Who's to say Taylor is still considered a top running back at that time? So um, I really like the trade. Yeah, so I, I would try and I'll, I'll give my – my assessment of this one based upon the lens of I have Kelsey in, in, in another one of my Superflex Dynasty Leagues. And if someone offered me right now Taylor and the 110, I would probably decline. So oh, wow. I think that for what it's worth, I, I think I I think I value Kelsey more than than those two. That being said, right? I think if you were to replace Taylor with one of the wide receivers that were drafted subsequently, uh, like a quick glance, I'm interested Brown and especially Chris Olave, who I love, you know, if somebody offers me Chris Olave in the 110 for Kelsey, that I probably accept. So I think the value is there. I think it, it was a fair deal. Um, I, I like the move by Crow to uh, move up for Kelsey there. And I think as it turns out, um, you know, if I'm assigning a winner of that trade, the way that uh, the picks were made, I, I would I would say the Kelsey side. Yeah, I mean, I will say in this format too, Kelsey's going to push to put up numbers that rival the top five wide receivers. That's this what year. I was going to say. He's going to yeah. he's going to beat most of the wide receivers. Like he's he's going to be super super valuable. So I I really like it. Yeah, the only downside of Kelsey, and again, this is just nippy. He's like 32, 33, but. Krope is setting up to win this year, and he, he's definitely making a push. He also he picked up before that trade a second first-round pick, which he's now in moving to the next trade, leveraged to make another move up, again, to get another player who is going to really uh, make that 2024 first run that you got less valuable again. Uh, so Krope moved up. He had the 303. He wanted to move up, again, only, I believe, three – yeah, four spots to the 212. He gave up his other rookie pick that he picked up from the Ryan trade, the 112, 
So he effectively cr- traded Chris Olave in the 112 for Tariq, uh, Tyreek Hill. This one, I'll let you guys talk about this first. I have a, uh, a viewpoint. I think this is actually a win for both teams, but I want to hear you guys' view on this. Yeah, I- I'll jump in first. Uh, I mean, like I said a minute ago, I'm a big Chris Olave guy. So getting Olave and a rookie pick um, is obviously appealing. Um, I think that at the same time, Tyreek is, is being undervalued right now in these formats because he kind of had those comments in the offseason of, I'm going to play on my current contract in Miami and then I'm going to retire. He's still got three years left on that deal. Yeah, three I'm years. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, three years is, is a lifetime. And, you know, I mean, I, again, I, it's it all comes down to preference when you're kind of like, you know, we're talking about wide receivers that are drafted within two or three spots of each other and are ranked within a slot or two of each other. So, um, you know, m- maybe the Schluter side here gets the nod because you get a rookie pick thrown in there with um, the receiver. But, you know, this year alone, who would I bet my life on to produce more? It's got to be Terry. Yeah. Yeah. I like Olave. So I kind of like Schluter's side of the trade better because he does get that rookie pick. I don't think it's like such a huge step up um, long term between Hill and Olave. But, you know, I don't know if you can really say it's an unfair trade or anything like that. I think it's just another move for Krope uh, and kind of loading up his team to try to win this year. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I do. The, the Tyree side is. You're making the move to win now. The a lot the side is longer term because I, I do think this year there's going to be a significant gap between Tyreek and Olave's like points per game. Like that's not even going to be close. But obviously Olave has much more long term value and can eventually put up top five wide receiver numbers potentially. But Krobe's team is currently trying to especially the Kelsey move to win this year. And this was a great move to do that. But for the Schluter side as well, got awesome, awesome. Value. So again, I think this was a win-win for both teams. Moving to the next trade, we're getting uh, a little bit late in draft. We, we, we hit our stride in the draft. And we moved through some rounds before making too many more trades, but uh, Joey and uh, Chris Canales made a trade. So Joey was trying to move up. Uh, he moved up from the 512 to the 506. And with that, he traded a 603 as a swap for the 706. So he effectively traded Brandon Ayuk and Jahan Dotson to move up and grab Miles Sanders and subsequently grab Russell Wilson. Um, I love Sanders. I was looking at him too. So I thought that was a savvy move by Joe. I do think he's uh, a good value and a little underrated. Um, and but I also do love Ayuk. There's like the, the middle rounds here, five, six. You're, this is where like there's a lot of good value. This is all a lot of personal preference. Uh, I think this is fair value all around. I don't think there's a real winner. It's more team construction. But want to want to hear what you guys think? Yeah, same. I think it was a pretty fair trade. I don't think you know either person made out anything crazy. I'm just not a huge Russell Wilson fan. I had him last <laughs> year, destroyed me, and I like wrote him off. But look, if he rebounds a little bit, then he's a great value there. So. Uh, I think it was a pretty fair trade. Yeah, so for me, this was all about uh, all about locking in Miles Sanders. Uh, I had at the time, uh, first of all, I was like probably five or six drinks deep at dinner with Paul and <laughs> when I made this move. So there's that. A lot of nooners. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> not but, a sponsor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah, it was really all about getting Miles Sanders. I, I, I had I was waiting on running back, and um, obviously knowing that I had the rookie one on one and Bijan in the back pocket was a big advantage. But in this particular spot, knowing that uh, there were a couple guys before me who probably would have been looking at running back and might have been looking at Sanders. Um, I I just love the situation that he's in in Carolina this year with an absurdly good uh, offensive line and literally, quite literally, like no uh, running back depth behind him. Like the depth chart behind him is like, you know, Chuba Hubbard and Raheem Blackshear. So I, I think that it's just, it, if he stays healthy, it could be an absolutely phenomenal season for, for Miles Sanders. Uh, last thing I'll say, Canelo's made two very, very strong picks here. Uh, yeah. I was looking at Dotson. Dotson might have honestly been on my roster if I didn't make this trade. Um, probably would have been who I would have taken with the 5-12. Um, so, uh, you know, if you're if you're taking a step back and, and before, obviously with with the uh, Miles Sanders scorched earth season still yet to come, um, you know, looking at this one in a vacuum, I think the IU Dotson side is uh, is probably the stronger side, just objectively. But that's because Canales made some good picks, and uh, we'll have to see what Russell Wilson can do this year. But my money is on uh, Miles Sanders. Hey, yep. this one. Yep. I mean, I like it all around. I think uh, you you got you got your guy that you needed for roster construction. I love the guys Canales guy. That'll be a theme. He took all the wide receivers I wanted. Um, very annoying, but he had a, a very good draft. Um, moving forward, uh, this one was just like weird, this trade. Uh, more so, we got to look at like when this trade happened. So uh, Matt Rosinski made a trade with the Clark brothers to move up from the 708 to the 704. So moving up four picks. But at the time, we were at like pick 610. We were like not near the 704 yet. So I, it was a very weird pick to move up there. They move up four spots in seventh. And to do so, they gave it the rookie 110, which – it's not like a cheap price to move up four picks in the seventh round when you don't even know who's going to be on the board at that point. Uh, they ultimately ended up trading James Cook in the rookie 110 for Christian Kirk, who I'm still interested to know if that's like who they were targeting. I, it was just a very bizarre trade at the time for me. I don't know what your guys saw, but I was just very confused when I saw this one go down. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It seems weird. Like, who's to say Kirk's not there at 708? Like, you just you have no idea at that point. What's going to go on? I think it was a great move by the Clarks to get the rookie 110. I think that that's too steep of a price just to move up four spots, especially, like you said, when you don't even know who's going to be there. I don't love the James Cook pick, so that makes it, to me, a little more uh, understandable from the Rosinski side of things. But, yeah, I would take the Clark side all day there. Yeah, yeah. Uh... I, the way it turned out, um, I, I, I actually do like Christian Kirk. Um, and He's got Trevor Lawrence thrown to him. <laughs> <laughs> if Kirk's good, Lawrence is not good. <laughs> no, I mean, not partially, but no, I mean, I guess, I guess the way that it turned out, it, it, it's not a bad move, despite being a little bit of a head scratcher. Uh, like you said, if, if be curious to know if, if Kirk was who they were eyeing, if it was somebody different. 
we'll see what happens with James Cook. James Cook. I mean, obviously, there's uh, a couple of guys in that backfield now. So, and yeah, who knows what yeah. that one one ten turns into? So, at least at least uh, Brzezinski's getting the most established asset of the of those of those transferring in that move. Yeah, just it was bizarre in timing to me. I just didn't understand the strategy behind it. But uh, definitely, again, I could see it working out. I just thought it was a, a weird move. Um, then moving forward, we had yet another trade with ours truly, Joey Gallo here. Uh, this was, again, to move up it and get a player who definitely was at the end of, uh, I guess you could call it a tear gap of just starting quarterbacks. Um, but Joey moved up uh, from the 9-12 two spots to the 9-10, basically just leapfrogging me. Um, but he gave up the 9-12, the 10-01, and the 12-01 with Harry and DaCosta to get the 9-10, the 2-03, and the 12-03. So he effectively gave up Greg Dolchich, Keenan Allen, and Michael Thomas to get Matthew Stafford, Mike Evans, and Jacoby Myers. Honestly, across here, I think it's pretty even value. I don't think there's, like a, in my opinion, a true winner. Although four wide receivers, they're all kind of mismatching of like the same tier. They Obviously, Jacoby Myers is the one who's never reached high and level where the other ones have. The other wide receivers are older and have some question marks with injuries and or quarterback play. But uh, Harrison and DaCosta, they got a, a tight end in this format, which is nice. Joey ended up getting a quarterback because he definitely needed a third option with uh, Kyler maybe not playing to start the year. We, we don't know that, but uh, it definitely makes sense. I don't I don't think there's a true winner here. Just It's what you needed for your team. Yeah, not much, not much sticks out to me on that one. I think pretty fair trade. They both moved around a, f- a few spots just to get the position that they wanted, but I'll let you discuss it, Joe. Yeah, I mean it's pretty simple. Uh, uh, Dave at the nine eleven um, with, I think the kind of shit options on. Oh well, I mean I don't really <laughs> it, but with the uncertainty of Trey Lance's starting a bit like starting positioning at that point in time, um, I thought that Dave might be looking at quarterback there. And obviously, given Kyler's situation at the beginning of the season, I wanted to make sure that I had a a, a startable pr- producing quarterback third string quarterback on the roster and uh i would have i, I was i had uh, keenan allen in my queue at the time uh, so i ended up with mike evans as opposed to keenan allen so in order to move up i you know basically sacrificed having allen on the roster who i did want mm-hmm. and i don't even think dave was looking at quarterback there anyway so we'll see if that one ends up coming back to the haunt but that yeah, was Dave, the at the time. what's the verdict dave would you have taken stafford no, I would not have because I, I was there was a quarterback I was eyeing, but I knew he wasn't going to go yet. But I knew he was going to go soon. So the next trade is what happened for me to get my guy. Uh, I I was eyeing Sam Howell for quite some time, and in the eleventh round, I was getting very antsy, and I, I actually sent out a ton of offers trying to move up here, and finally got one to accept. Uh, I moved up from the one eleven to the one oh seven with Schluter because I also know he's just trade happy. So I traded the 111, the 1202, and the 1402 to move up four spots to the 1107 and traded back to the 1206 and the 1406. So I effectively gave up Isaiah Likely, Darnell Mooney, and DJ Shark to get Sam Howell, who I love, the starting quarterback for uh, the Washington Commanders, for those who don't know, uh, out of UNC. 
He's great. Uh, and I also was able to nab Rashad Penny and Odell Beckham with the picks I got back. I mean, I love this trade. I thought it was uh, insane value. Probably the best trade of draft. I want to know your guys' thoughts. <laughs> I do like Howell, and I think Schluter's pick of likely is just another Ravens pick. I don't love that pick. So, like, if you're comparing players to players, I definitely like your side better. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it, it all just comes down to whether he ends up being a usable QB over the next couple of years, which is definitely possible. And if he does, then it's a great trade for you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Joe hates I, my quarterbacks. I think, <laughs> I, think that, I think that I like, I think that I like Rashad Penny the most out of any, out of anybody who's moving in this entire deal. So uh, no, I mean, joking aside, um, Sam Howell does look like he's going to be the, the, the starter for Washington, and he does seem to be somebody who's going to run the ball, which is surprising, but it, it does actually seem to be in the cards for him. We'll see uh, in how long he actually ends up holding the starting job, but uh, there's certainly upside there, and uh, like I said, I, I like the situation the shot Penn is in. So uh, overall, a pretty you know, fair, balanced trade. I, I, I mean, I, I will say about Isaiah Likely, uh, I have him on one of my <laughs> dynasty, other dynasty rosters. I knew he wasn't going to let that go. <laughs> He's a decent athlete. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't totally, totally rule him out as of having a, uh, being a, a decent uh, asset down the road. We'll see. I do like Likely as well. Obviously, he's blocked by Andrews, but he does get in. Andrews gets her sometimes, and he does have upside. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad pick. Uh, and again, at this point, uh, these names, he's just who ended up being drafted, but there's like, it's a ADP at this point is all over the place. So, Penny was ended up being a good value for me. Um, also, with Sam Howell, he's got so many weapons too. Everyone loves the Washington wide receivers. How is he not going to be good? Um, I mean, I do, I do have his top wide receiver, so I'm hoping he's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, though, Schluter uh, couldn't stop. This was a, a tiny trade. This is more just the grabs are in guys, so I don't have to spend too much time on it. But uh, Schluter moved up from the 14:02 and the 13:07 to the 12, uh, 12 and the 14:12 with the Wilkinson Bros. He basically moved up to get uh, Samaji P. Ryan. And he got the pick who turned into Khalil Shakir, who he didn't end up keeping. But he traded away DJ Shark and John Mechie. All these guys are kind of like upside shots. Uh, I do think Samaji Piran has some early season value. Um, I'm personally of the belief that uh, Javante is going to be back sooner than others. I did draft Javante, but uh, I also think if Javante was really that injured, they would have used draft capital to run it back and or sign someone better than a 28-year-old career backup as the only other starting running back. So to me, the team definitely thinks Javante will compete this year, but I think Samaj Pierre Ryan will have some short-term value, and I, I think it was a decent move in the 12th round. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, not not – not much more to add other than mm-hmm. uh, I had P. Ryan in my queue at the time and uh, thought it was a good move to move up and, and get him because I do think he's going to have value, especially in the early season. He's a good running back. He's not. He's certainly not bad. He's, he's not bad. in the league for as long as he has uh, and actually produced 
Um, he's like a Latavius Murray. He's, he's yeah, just, exactly. he's a backup who's good when he gets thrusted, but he's you don't yeah, want bad. him to be your he, starter. He produced on Washington. He produced in Cincinnati. He'll produce. In, in it's almost like he's been around for a decade. Is that good for running backs? I don't know. It's certainly not bad. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much to say either. We just figured we could move up one of our later mm-hmm. picks to get someone a little better. We weren't looking at anyone too hard there and Schluter wanted to mm. trade up. So we did it. Yep. Uh, so we get the next two picks. I feel like we should probably combine. Uh, it's the same two owners. They were kind of uh, the, the first of the picks uh, put the clock on for Scott. And then he used that pick based on the subsequent trade. So Scott and uh, Matt made a trade. They, they initially traded the 1308 and the 1405 uh, the Rosinskis did to Scott for the 1305, the 14-8. Again, this is just like late round picks, positioning just to try and get guys. But what ultimately happened was Scott also then traded with the Rosinskis. Um, he ended up trading away Austin Eckler, who he drafted with the 402, to the Rosinskis for Jamal Williams and Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Scott had not drafted quarterback until I think like the ninth round or something. And he was unfortunate to be at the very end of a long QB run in that round. And I don't think he had like a pick in the round before. So kind of got stuck in a bad position. And the quarterback he was able to get at that point was uh, Jimmy G as his QB one. So he did have a second quarterback, Super Flex League. Um, and he ended up trading away Austin Eckler for Ryan Tannehill, who is still currently the starting quarterback for the tight ends and Jamal Williams. Uh, I'll go last, uh, but I'll let everyone else uh, first talk about this and, and get your opinions on the on the move. Also, I should say he subsequently drafted Malik Will- Willis, um, and after he made this trade, as uh, somewhat of a backup to the Titans. But let's hear what you guys think. Yeah, I, mean, I can go first. I mean, obviously, I think that um, it was a little bit of a tilt move. Um, Scott had, had actually reached out uh, to me, um, you know talking quarterback at the time too. So, um, you know, look, there's, there's definitely times where you can kind of see that, you know, you are, you know, weak at a particular position and cause you to go on tilt a little bit. That being said, um, if, if, if it was, a, if the trade had been for a quarterback with just a hair more long-term value than Ryan Tannehill, then uh, I would like it a lot more. You know, I think that's really the only thing. That's really the only holdup for me. Jamal Williams, I think, is going to have some near-term value in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did draft a running back, and obviously Kamara is still there. But um, you know, he he'll he'll hold value, and and Tannehill is going to be the starter, at least for the near term. So um, you know, we'll see what the rest of uh, Austin Eckler's career looks like, and you know, for this year, obviously. I would skew that one a little bit more towards Rosinski's. But, um, you know, the tilt sometimes is real. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously anything can happen, and we'll see what happens with Eckler, but I just don't understand it at all from Scott's perspective. I think it was a bit of a panic move. I think he realized all of a sudden he was short a quarterback in a Superfex league, and he, he went out to get one. I just think he could have let the draft finish, looked at his team, and started to shop for a QB then. We haven't even had the rookie draft yet, so who's to say he couldn't have gotten a quarterback in the rookie draft? I just, 
I think he could have returned a lot more value than trading for Tannehill mid-draft. So I didn't really get it. I would take Eckler there for sure. But what do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, it it just wasn't the right move, in my opinion. And, and not to say, like, and I wanted to say, it, it very well can work out. Um, Eckler is an older running back. Running backs to shorter shelf lives. There was obviously contract disputes. Sorry, I got a little dramatic there. Um, have a, he had a contract issue with the the, uh, the Chargers at the time. It has been kind of worked out, but it is definitely a one-term deal. He's going to be gone next year. Um, and so, like, I can understand in Dynasty, he's not as valuable, not a top 10. But for the current year, he is a game changer for this upcoming season, for sure, as long as he stays healthy. One of the He's probably a top five option uh, in redraft this year. And to get back only Jamel Williams, who like obviously is a solid back, and Tannehill, who's like probably in the bottom six, seven of the quarterbacks in this format. Uh, I just feel like you could have done better. But to your point, Ryan, it's we were midway through the startup draft. Like you didn't need to f- solve it right now. It it was May at that point as well. We had three more months before not having a backup quarterback was actually going to be hurting you in some way or format. I also like. Scott Scott, I love his team across the board. Like, yeah, he doesn't have the quarterback, but he he's stacked everywhere else. He has like so many assets that he could uh, use to get a quarterback. And he, he, maybe not like a top 10 quarterback, but somewhere in the range of like 12 to like 20, I think he could have got. Um, or at least get like a first round, 2024 first round pick with that back. Like if I was trading Eckler, I'd be looking to get like a higher end asset than that than rather two other old aging assets. Now, to be said, but that, to be said one more time, he could absolutely end up on the right side of the straight. It would not shock me at all. Like Eckler can get hurt. Tannehill could start for two more years. Tannehill could has shown to have pretty good value before Jamal Williams could score another one. It was like 16 touchdowns again. I don't, like he could go off and it could definitely work. And if it works, Scott, we're going to give you a full minute to come on here and lean in to the whole league that you want right there. So, and I'm not, I hope it works out for you. Uh, but for me, it was just – not the best way to maximize the value of the asset that Eckler was at the time, but in fantasy is very weird thing. We've been weird wrong on many trades before and we could be wrong here too. But uh, my opinion was stop trading with Matt. Oh my God. Why does he always get such a good value in every year in one year? Just stop doing it people. Um, But anyway, we had two more small trades uh, to quickly talk through. One, it was just Joe and Schluter again, positioning Joe traded the, 212 to upgrade basically Sam Darnell to Khalil Shakir. I think that's a decent upside shot. He could be the slot wide receiver uh, for the Bills. Um, so thought it was a solid upgrade move. I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on that. No, just yeah. I think everyone's just moving up for who they want here. I don't think it's anything crazy. Yep. And then the last one, I had to get in one more thing, and I had to get make sure that we got 11 out of the 12 teams instead of 10 out of 12. So I was able to rope in Adam and Katz into a trade. I uh, traded the 1711 to 18.02 uh, to move up to two spots to the 17.09 and 18.04. Basically, I was grabbing Hunter Renfro because um, I really I thought he was the last like usable wide receiver at that point. Traded basically Bailey Zappi and Justin Ross, who were good upside options. And I also got Gardner Minshew technically back in that too, which – I'm positioning for the rookie draft with that pick. But those are the trades, 18 trades in all. So uh, good work, League. I'm proud of all of you. But with that, we're going to move to the next round. 
All right, using the soundboard, it's great. Uh, we're gonna go through uh, the draft high level. We broke it down into a couple rounds. Uh, just a quick overview of how the, the rounds went and gave give some of our best and worst picks of those sections. So the first uh, section we're gonna break down is rounds one through three. This is obviously where the more elite out, uh, talents are. Uh, we've alluded to it many times. The first eight picks were quarterbacks in this league. So you definitely saw the urgency in the Superflex League. Um, after that, we saw a, a bunch of wide receivers, and there were 15 wide receivers in total in, in the first three rounds. There were a few running backs, about six of them, and then three more quarterbacks came off, and then the three elite tight ends also went off the board. So this is where you get like some of the elite elite uh, uh, of the assets in the dynasty. But with that, I guess I'll throw it over to you, Ryan. What was uh, your best and worst pick of these uh, rounds here? Yeah, so you kind of touched on it. I don't know if I really consider it a pick because he fell into his lap, but I think you got to go with Justin Jefferson at nine in terms of the best value. I was really shocked he fell that far. Sean and I were really debating taking him when we had the 107 before we made the trade. Um, We probably would have ended up taking him. So I was shocked he fell that far. I thought that was obviously a great pick. I did also like CeeDee Lamb at 14. I thought you know, he was the fifth wide receiver off the board in our draft, but I viewed him as kind of the number three after Jefferson and Chase. So I thought that was a pretty good pick. In terms of worst, I'm not a fan of Pitts. So I was a little shocked to see him taken in the middle of the third. He's been super hyped for two years, only has three total touchdowns, just had a major injury. I don't think he ever becomes that top, top tight end that everyone thinks. So I don't love that pick. But there's definitely some high reward there if it does work out. Oh. Yeah, and uh, Ryan, I want to thank you for that. Who who made that CD pick? <laughs> that was our oh, very yeah. own Dave Reed. Yes, <laughs> that, that parlayed in my uh, Lawrence pick, which saying probably leads into, uh, hey, Joe, what were your best and worst picks? <laughs> yeah, so most value, uh, I'm going to say, is definitely Mark Andrews, who, I mean, look, I'm a big Kelsey guy, as we talked about, but uh, if we're talking about who's the the the, the, the longest term uh, asset uh, at the tight end position is right now, um, you know, let's say five, six, seven years down the line, uh, to me, the guy with the most chance of being the number one is Mark Andrews. So to get him third tight end off the board towards the back of the third round, I think is uh, pretty pretty good value there. Um, worst pick. Uh, I, I want to say worst pick is was Trevor Lawrence. Um, uh, because I because I understand why the pick was made. Um, I, I do think that in that position, I would have personally opted to go with Justin Jefferson. So, um, you know, and and uh, maybe another. No, those are those are the two that no, the most. I, I will say too, you know, one other. I I do, uh, I do like the the Garrett Wilson shot by Team Harry and Dan over mm-hmm. I know we were talking about that one on the side, and uh, I think that was a, a risky but you know high upside pick there for them as well. I was actually hoping Wilson fell to me that pick uh, at my pick, so I was uh, sad to see that go. And honestly, uh, I'm all, all in jest with the uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, bit going on, but I also do one of the better picks. I agree. JJ was one of the better picks. I agree. JJ should have gone off 
before Trevor Lawrence. I and I said that many times. He should have. It was for me purely looking at what I thought what I would get between the two picks. But from a value standpoint, JJ should have gone like four picks earlier. So I thought that, and that was Adam and Cass who got that. So I want to give him credit there. Uh, another pick who I thought was great value. I just JT falling the two ten. I thought is just like by the Rosinski Bros was a really good value there. And he just like felt, in my opinion, a little bit too far. And I think he's still a high end asset. As far as worst pick, again, like a lot of these players are, uh, again, of the lead athletes. I thought just Kenneth Walker going off at 304 by the Clark brothers. After uh, the Seahawks just drafted Charbonnet, um, it makes it seem like he's not going to be a workhorse or an elite back, or at least one that should, in my opinion, be drafted in the first three rounds. I, I don't think he's a bad player there. I just don't think – I think he was being viewed, again, as like a top 10 running back. Uh, again, he was one of six drafted in the first three rounds. I don't think he's a top six running back next year or potentially have that going forward. I think they're going to split that uh, workload up a bit. So to me, that was probably one of the uh, worst picks or least valuable picks in the first three rounds. At the risk of seeming – well, at the risk of reiterating some stuff that I've heard on, on other podcasts that I've listened to over the last couple of weeks, but it's worth repeating because it actually resonates a little bit with me. I think we're, as a community, probably a little too low on Kenneth Walker post-Charbonnet pick. Um, I, I think if you kind of look back retrospectively about how Seattle took Rashad Penny, uh, the – the year after Chris Carson kind of had his breakout and everybody in the fantasy community loved Rashad Penny and kind of were downgrading Chris Carson. And then Carson went out there and was a viable asset for Seattle for the next like three or four seasons after that. I just think that there's a, there's a non-zero chance that Charbonnet just doesn't work out. And Kenneth Walker has another three to five insane seasons. So I just, it's in the range of outcomes. I, just, I, I agree with you, but the thing that I think people, because I've heard that argument, what I think is severely overlooked, what has Penny done his entire career? He hasn't, like, that's just the use case because it was Rashad Penny. It, like, Charbonnet was viewed high and came from a bigger school. Penny came from a smaller school. Uh, obviously had a lot of injury history. I think that's more of the use case is that Penny just couldn't take the job away. I don't think it was that they're like, oh, we're just going to lean in. I just don't think Penny could earn it. But Charbonnet, a lot of people viewed him potentially as the RB2 going in this draft class, and he got a lot of draft capital. So I don't think those are comparable circumstances, but agree with you. I, I, I think people uh, swing too far the other way. I don't think Walker's a bad pick. He showed that he could be very valuable. I just don't view him as a top six running back, basically. Yeah, fair enough. And if you look at the options who came after him, mm-hmm. you, know, you probably could make the case for guys like someone like ETN or, you know, even Jacobs being drafted before him given the circumstances. But at the same time, I don't hate it. And I might have yeah. I might have been willing to take Kenneth Walker before even Saquon Barker there, which I know is gonna sound outrageous, but if you look at if you consider their even situation, I am not hundred yeah. percent sure who I'd rather have between those two. Yeah, Barkley's contract situation as a giant fan does not make me happy. Um yeah, but Moving to picks, rounds uh, four to six. So this is where the running backs really started to pop off the board. We had about 14 come off uh, the board in these next three rounds. 
a uh, few teams started grabbing their second quarterback. So people really were still keen in on the super flex aspect. And then more teams started looking at the, or getting a, one of the more reliable tight ends after the elite options fell off the board, knowing that is a t- tight end premium league. Uh, and then there was a run on wide receivers to close out the sixth round. I think there were six in a row there. Um, but Joe, I'll start with you. What, what do you think was the, your favorite and our best and worst pick in this round? Yeah. I mean, uh, best pick, I think, Everything that Canelo's did in this round, I thought was was strong. I, I like the Pollard pick. I like the Burks pick. Mentioned earlier that uh, I thought he did well with the picks that he acquired from me in the in the trade up for Sanders. Obviously, Dotson, I'm big on. So overall, I, I think Canelo's had the strongest uh, round here. I like the value that he got. Um, you know, worst pick, obviously, hindsight being 2020. I think there's been some some uh, verbiage out there from Kyle Shanahan, which is kind of leaning towards Brock Purdy being the Niners starter going forward. So uh, in a vacuum, you probably, if, it, if it's me and I'm in that spot there for you, uh, if I could if I could swap Purdy for uh, Lance, I might do it, knowing what we know now. But uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it a bad pick at the time. It's just this is the nature of uh, you know fantasy football where we're getting information not stop. Yeah. Uh, yep. I mean, it was a risk pick, so I uh, <laughs> donate that. What about you, Rob? So for my best pick, I had Ridley at 610. I actually really liked him. I was really hoping he fell to us, and then Croak grabbed him two picks before us. So got to give a shout-out to Croak there. I think he Who, – Who's his quarterback? Him. He's got Trevor Lawrence as his quarterback. Oh. Not a lot of that. Not a that. So yeah, I uh, you know it's I funny. Think Everyone he, loves my quarterbacks receivers, but they don't like yeah. my quarterback. <laughs> he could definitely be a stud. So I liked him. I also liked Daniel Jones at the four hundred four from uh, Adam Katz. Yeah. I thought that was a really good pick. I think he's you know a little undervalued. He almost could be a tier up, um, and they just gave him a huge contract. So they're obviously hoping for him to be that guy. So I like that pick there too. Worst pick. Actually, I'm going to stick with Crope. I don't love Swift at 503. Uh, he had the top rushing on the Eagles, but he traded him away, Jalen Hurts. Uh, so, you know, is, is Swift the guy there? I don't know. Seems like it, it may even be a bit of a timeshare, so I don't love that pick. Yeah, and then uh, for me, I mean, my best pick, uh, I'm going to give props to Joe. I, I love the uh, Dallas Good Air pick at, at 61. I was actually – uh, severely thinking if he came to me, I might actually double down on uh, tight ends because I think he's in a high-powered offense. When he is on the field, he is very, very good getting targets and getting touchdowns. So I would have been happy starting him in a flex in this format. So I thought that was a great pick by Joe, especially when there aren't that many strong tight end options to get him at that point. Um, as far as worst picks go, uh, I didn't like the Pacheco pick by Krop, not to pick on Krop in these rounds because I think Krop actually has a very strong team. Uh, and I think Pacheco actually will be very good. I just, at that point of the draft, seem early to take uh, Pacheco w- with the other options on the board. Um, he's not a pass-catching running back. He's pretty much just a rusher, uh, two-down back. Uh, obviously part of a high-powered offense. Um, but just seemed like a little bit of reach. Not horrible, but just not who I would have gone to at that point. Also... This is personal preference. Debo at 409 by the Clarks. I'm not a Debo uh, believer long term. Um, obviously, he's had super high. I think he only had like one super high end uh, season, but everyone remembers that. Um, 
He just there's a lot of options in that offense. He doesn't seem when if Brock Purdy really is the quarterback. He didn't seem like the main go-to option there. And with McCaffrey there, kind of is a duplicative role. So I don't really view him as like a top-end wide receiver anymore. I think he's like a better two. And I think Ayuk I, actually is more upside than him long-term. Um, so I wasn't a huge fan of that pick at that point either. Moving to the next, we have a, a block of four, uh, excuse me, another, yeah, four rounds here between seven and 10. So uh, at this round, we started seeing most teams starting to focus on either uh, grabbing whatever value they could get or, or trying to fill a glaring hole that they see in their roster. So almost all the remaining starting quarterbacks came off the board at this point because everyone knew that they had to get a second quarterback. Um, and you start to see a mini run in tight ends um, start going as teams realize this is tight end uh, premium format and, and there aren't that many viable options. And teams also started grabbing running backs that have secure playing time as that becomes harder to find later in the draft. Um, so, Brian, with that being said, uh, what were some of your uh, favorite and uh, least favorite picks of these rounds? Yeah, so this one's pretty easy for me. I actually really like Marquise Brown at 7'10". I think he's a little underrated and definitely worth a late seventh-round pick. I think there's a lot of upside there. DeAndre Hopkins could be on the move soon, and even if not, he's 30. Um, and I actually looked it up in weeks one to six without Hopkins last year. Brown was the wide receiver seven in fantasy. So we almost took him actually our pick before that. So uh, I kind of regret it. I think that was a really good pick. And then in terms of the worst pick, I'm not necessarily saying it was a bad pick, but based on the full picture, Dawson Knox at 10-11, they had just taken Waller the pick before that, I believe. So I'm not sure why they grabbed Knox right after grabbing Waller, which I thought was a great pick. Um, I don't get why you take another tight end there. I think that's maybe a little bit of the Bills' love from Mike Keffer. So uh, I guess if you got to get your guy, you got to get him. But I don't think they needed him there. Joe, what about yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, so I also like the Hollywood pick. Um, I like, like I mentioned earlier, I like the Keenan Allen pick by Harry uh, with the asset that he picks up from me. And Alexander Madison by Schluter was a good pick there in the middle who very well may end up being the starting running back uh, by the start of the season if Dalvin Cook is chipped along. So some some good some good choices there. Picks that I uh, – and, and Cole Komet. I honestly – I think Cole Komet's actually a little bit undervalued. That was Kropfeld, I think. Um, I think that – Young dude, great pass catcher, and was was uh, I, and I don't love the Bears wide receivers. I know they picked up DJ Moore. They have Darnell Mooney, but and uh, like Chase Claypool, but they're they're not knocking anybody's socks off with their wide receivers there. So I think there's there's plenty of target share to go around from that. Uh, picks that I didn't necessarily love. Um, I, I Tyler Algier uh, was a wolf personally, just. I just, I, I just, I mean, I had him last year, and I, and I just like I, the the experience wasn't great, and obviously bringing in Bijan is certainly not ideal. I think that I probably would rather have, uh, if you look at like the next probably five or six running backs off the board, uh, Deontay Foreman, Damian Harris, uh, Jamal Williams, Samaje P. Ryan, Kenneth Gainwell, Ryan Mitchell. Rashad Penny. I think I'd rather have all of those guys than Algier. So that that one wasn't my favorite. 
Um, and also, while I gotta, I gotta probably be fair here, probably take a little bit on myself. In retrospect, I'm not crazy about the Russ pick. Um, again, if I could go back and do that pick again, uh, I would, I probably would look to someone like Purdy or Carr. Um, not to say that I don't think that Wilson is has a chance to bring it back this year, but um, I I don't love it. I, I, I think let's ride, Joe. Let's ride. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I got to be fair, and that wasn't a great thing. Yeah, I I think uh, we have a lot of agreement on our, our best and worst picks in this round. Uh, I mean, I again, everything you guys said, especially like I, I took note. I thought the Madison pick was great. I also, when I saw the Algier pick, I, I thought that was like I, that one was one where I remember I was like, yeah, it's not a good pick uh, at that point uh, with the Shawn Chapman. Um, but then uh, some other picks I liked. I, I really liked Deontay by Canales at nine point oh six. I had tried I think for like four picks in a row to try and grab I actually almost grabbed Deontay in the eighth round and the fact that he was still on the board almost fell back to me and I knew he wasn't going to get there and then Canales again who scooped up every young wide receiver got him again I thought that was just great value but my favorite pick uh I thought Darren Waller at 902 was awesome value because it's very possible he's the wide receiver one for the Giants and as we mentioned this tight end premium league if he stays healthy he's he could easily have over a hundred, like 120 targets this year. Um, he's he'll be a monster. I mean, the rest of the wide receiving core, obviously, they just added a couple tall rookies, but everyone else is like five eight. Like Waller's going to be a monster on that field. So I thought that was a great pick there. But my worst pick, same same team, the pick that they made before. Uh, so that was by Kaffer and Mike Williams. I also did not like the Kamara pick at eight eleven. Uh, it's still up in the air, but it's like the uh, the main assumption is he's going to get suspended this year. Uh, and he had a major drop-off in production last year. He's only getting older. They signed Jamal Williams, and they drafted a rookie. Like, the writing's on the wall. The Kamara's career is in the twilight right now. Um, so, to me, that was a little bit early. That's not who I would have been targeting there. Uh, again, he, he has shown the ability to have big weeks. I just don't think those are going to be as frequent as you think, and you're going to have to – uh, find another starter for at least maybe four, maybe six weeks next year. So didn't love that pick. Moving on down to rounds 11 to 15. Uh, there's, so we're getting later in the draft, but there's still some value to be had in these rounds. There's a lot of, this is where people are targeting a lot of the wide receiver twos and threes on the NFL teams and some backup running backs who could potentially find some uh, playing time. Um, so you, there's definitely value that you can find here. And this is the, rounds where if you hit like that'll make a big change in uh in where you'll end up at the end of the season so uh joe why don't you tell me who you thought some of the best and worst picks of this round were yeah so uh best my personal favorite i think a ton of value with uh jarek mckinnon you know we were kind of i was just kind mm-hmm. of like listing off in the last section that kind of string of backs Will, jamal williams Majid p ryan elijah mitchell Devin Singletary, rashad penny all of these guys going before jarek mckinnon who was extremely productive. Yeah, I mean, how many touchdowns did Jarek McKinnon score between Stupid. like 13 through the end of the... Uh, I think he was like the wider... I mean, running back like seven or something like that. Yeah. Like, it was yeah. stupid the last like six weeks. And, you know, like, I, I they, they they re-upped. They gave him, what, at least one other, one more year, maybe two? Maybe one more year. 
But I think it was a one year because uh, I think he's like 31 right now. He is older. Yeah, that's yeah. the only thing. Yeah. He'll be around. I mean, I, you know, there's the, 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 there's a little mini hype train for Pride at Head Virtual Air right now going into at camp. You know, I, I heard some, you know, just just a little bit. Of, oh, he's in great shape. We're real, we're real happy for him. He looks like they've said that every year. Yes, yeah, <laughs> uh, just the guys who have him on his up, dynasty league trying to hype him up again. <laughs> I think picking up someone like McKinnon in the 13th round who could. Who could very, yeah. very well be a strong contributor this year. Um, least favorite, honestly, at this point, nothing really sticks out to me. I, I know mm-hmm. we're in the late rounds here. There was nothing that really stuck out as, um, you know, particularly or I mean, I guess maybe Terrace Marshall because I think the writing's on the wall. That guy stinks. But other than that, I think, uh, yeah, mostly that's it for me. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I, I didn't really have too much on the best pick side. I think at this point, you know, you're kind of taking who you hope has some upside. I liked Ritter as a pick. Just, you know, if he pans out, he could be a starter long term. But I don't know how you could possibly say any other pick as the worst pick than Malik Willis. <laughs> I just also thought it was hysterical because Canelos noted in the group chat that he might not make the roster. <laughs> And uh, and then Scott took him right after trading for Tannehill. So I did not love that pick and was pretty shocked to see him come off the board there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, we talked about that. I, I, I didn't love the Will's <laughs> pick either. Um, but for me, uh, some of the best picks, uh, I'll, I'll give some love to the Clark brothers. I actually thought the Eliza Mitchell pick at 1209 is a good pick. Uh, you could you see even though CMC is the man there, they're gonna get when Elijah Mitchell's not hurt, they're gonna give him touches, and he is uh, pretty explosive and can make some big chunk plays. So I thought at this point of the draft, that's a running back that you could definitely flex in and will get some uh, pretty good value from. I also thought Alex Pierce by Canales at thirteen oh six is a pretty good upside play. He's good on the long routes and uh, and the half quarterback can, can throw bombs. Acker bombs, we'll see, but uh, definitely has uh, some upside there. Again, was another wide receiver I was targeting that can now nap that right underneath me. Uh, as far as uh, worst picks go, uh, I did not like Patterson by uh, Kropa at uh, 15 or 3. Uh, if we don't like Algier, I don't think we can like Patterson. Uh, Algier got way more work than uh, Patterson last year. I, I think Patterson's like, what, 33 now? I, the guy's just – and he's covered wide receiver. He had the a ceremony yeah. before the beginning of the season where they put, like, a shed out at midfield and they dragged <laughs> Patterson back behind it and then like, <laughs> shot Put him out. <laughs> just put him out. Like, he is – he's done. So, like, I, I didn't love that pick. I, I, I know he's had a big season here and there, but uh, I – I don't see him getting more than like three touches a game really going forward. So his, uh, and he's going to have to retire soon. So, uh, yeah, moving on, we got, uh, we're getting in the late rounds now. So 16 to 20, you're definitely, uh, these are where people are just doing backup quarterbacks, depth tight ends, dart throws, a wide receiver running back. Um, anyone who's like, if someone gets hurt in front of this guy, maybe you'll have some value. Um, but yeah, Joe, who do you think you have as some of the, the best and worst picks here? Yeah. Best. I like the shot on Clyde Edward Chalair. And maybe that's maybe that's recency bias because there's some some positive news out there about how he looks going into camp. But yeah, it, it was worth a shot. Um, and worst, I mean Zach Wilson. Come on, the guy stinks. So <laughs> yeah, I, that I, uh, preview ahead. That was my worst pick. That was just a joke pick. Uh, you know, you know, Dan just yeah. jumped on the phone and took him. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I didn't have much. I like Duvernay. Bateman has been hurt in the past, so round 20, there's some potential upside there. But, you know, worst pick, I don't really have anything. All kind of dart throws now. Yeah, for me, my best pick, uh, I mean, I, I like Michael Carter with Joey at the 16-1. I thought that was great value. He could, early on, Brees is definitely going to be working his way back. I know they drafted uh, Avocado or whatever uh, as a rookie, but I think Carter's still going to get work too. So I think that was a pretty good value. I know Joey looked at him like a round or two earlier and still was able to get him. So that, that was good value. Uh, I love Haneke at 18-12, though, by the Wilkinsons. Um, I, I think it's very realistic. Like Haneke has a way to get – the starting like in the starting roster and when he's in he he puts up points and uh the uh, last year Mariota was playing ahead of Ritter granted he was he was a rookie but when Ritter was in I think he had some like abomination games uh and like the passing offense was abysmal Heineke can is mobile and he is willing to throw it downfield and he supported uh McLaurin he's uh done it with uh Samuel a little bit of Dotson he can put up some plays and I actually think the offense would be better with Heineke if he gets in there and I think once that happens uh I don't think they'll go back to Ritter once Heineke gets a shot so I think that is a a very savvy pick uh for someone who could start in the back half of the year by the Wilkinson uh, Burroughs right there uh, the last uh, six rounds, 21, 26, this is just a crapshoot, pure Hail Marys. Uh, you're probably going to cut these guys once you want to promote a rookie. Um, honestly, there's no bad picks right now, and there's only like there's honestly not that many good picks either, but there is a couple diamonds in the rough here. So I know me and Ryan have the same guy. I'll let Ryan take it away and tell me who you thought the best guy is. Yeah, so we both had, I don't even know how to say his name, Shoranek. Is that how you say it? But I don't know. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> At this point, you know, he's the wide receiver three, which, you know, if you're getting that this late in the draft, he's got some upside there. I think that's valuable at this point. So, you know, I like that pick. And Joe, what about you? Uh, best, I would say, probably Travion Williams. I was looking at Travion Williams. Um, well, I think I, I looked to – uh, see if he was available and then notice that he had been picked two rounds earlier. So, um, you know, I think the situation, the running back situation in Cincinnati is pretty fluid at this point, And who really knows what Joe Mixon's future looks like. So, um, you know, Williams is definitely a high upside option that, you, that could actually turn into something uh, pretty late in the draft. Yeah, well, that was it. 26 rounds, guys. Took us again. I think it was a total of 16 days. Great work, league, But... On to the next one. We'll get better soundboards next time, guys. This is all came with the platform. Um, but, uh, yeah, moving on to the next one. These are the draft grades. Uh, so we're going to throw out a grade for each team. We each have our own grade there. We're all abstaining from our own. We're not going to self-grade. Um, and we're just going to go whatever the draft order was. So the first team uh, was the Wilkinson brothers. Uh, obviously, Ryan is not going to uh, – Greatest team because he would love it. Okay, uh, give give but, it to us. Don't hold back. But, have it. Joe, I'll let you go first and I'll hop in after. <laughs> yeah, give me one second. Let me, let me, all right. Uh, so, so uh, I actually I actually would have given uh, – my grade is a B. And it would be – oh, sorry. Yeah, my grade is a B, and in, in the in the in the notes, I basically wrote it's hard to grade this team lower than a B given their quarterback situation. So when you ha- when you're in a super flex and you have 
the your two quarterbacks basically averaging 50 to 60 points through your roster on a weekly basis. Um, that is a huge advantage over the rest of the league. Um, I do also like some of the upside guys that you have. Kadarius Tony, if he stays healthy, which is probably like a 5% probability, <laughs> but if he does stay healthy, could easily be a top 15 wide receiver. He's looking like he's going to be the number one for that offense this year. He's, he's If he's out there, he's going to get most targets at the wide receiver position almost definitely, which, uh, again, huge advantage. Um, I'm a big Ramondre Stevenson believer. Um, you know, overall, I think the, the depth is potentially an issue. Um, I don't see it too, too much uh, in terms of plug-and-play guys uh, from a bench standpoint here. So uh, that's my biggest concern. But overall, it's really it's hard to, it's hard to grade this team uh, too harshly when um, they have such an advantage at the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, I somewhat similar. I put it as a B minus. Uh, I mean, the QB position. I think they're bet they're set for the better part of a decade, and it's the hardest position to knock down in a dynasty. Like, and they they don't have to think about it, and they're going to have an advantage every week. Um, however, like the moves that they made to get Hurts, they made basically two trades that did hurt them in when it comes from a death standpoint. Not to say they didn't get other good players in the rest. I, I also am a big Ramadre fan. I love Ramadre. I was actually crossing my fingers I could grab him. So I thought that was a, a great pick. White, Rashad White is a nice pick. Um, they got Terry, uh, Scary Terry. They got Mike Williams, Tony, and Lazar. Those are all, like, fine wide receivers, but they're not, like, true wide receiver ones for fine uh, dynasty. And, like, they're more likely in the wide receiver three, wide receiver two range, but they do have the spike week, so they could have big weeks and, and win a week there. So – there's no like true alpha there, but they have a lot of guys that are like good enough. You can put them at the start uh, there. As Joe mentioned, not a lot of depth on the bench and they also don't have any, they traded away both their rookie picks in the first round. So they don't have any rookie picks until the last pick of the third round. So you're not going to see a lot of improvement in depth this year, but they do own two. They did gain a second uh, 2024 first, which could be a big improvement. They could obviously set, save it there with the quarterbacks. that can build in a year or two, but they could also use those to just, improve the depth that they don't have right now and, and that is a very realistic way to get done and as you mentioned having josh allen and hurts they're going to compete every week like there's not a week that they can't win because those guys are like like yeah we said averaging 50 60 they could put up 80 plus in a given week and that was easily uh win a week for them but with that being said if either one gets hurt it's going to get very ugly for this team. So, like, that's the one thing to get. There's, like, not a lot of depth there, and it's very contingent upon those two quarterbacks. Um, but, yeah, be minus, but I tons of upside, and they've solved the two hardest things to solve for. So, nothing too critical there. Moving on down. Uh, Rod, do you have any concerns you want to – you can't have rebuttal. I'm sorry. It's, you can't grade yourself. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, I'm joking. Moving on down to uh, the mics, Caffer and Williams. Um, Ryan, I know you were quiet, so I'm going to let you go first on the first in this next one. Yeah, so I gave them a B plus overall, and I picked three teams that I think are going to be the contenders for the title this year in 2023, and this is one like of them it. for me. Um, it's the only team that didn't make a trade, so it goes to show if you stick to your position and draft value each round, you can put together a good team. 
Uh, obviously, they ended up with Mahomes, who's going to be a staple for years to come. You throw in Rodgers for a stopgap. Hope, you know, Ritter excels or draft a rookie in the coming years. Running back is the weakest position to me, but they do have some stud running backs uh, in the short term in Barkley. Uh, and then I think they're potentially loaded at wide receiver. They have St. Brown, DJ Moore, Pittman, Godwin. They do all have some risk. Um, but then you round that out with Waller at tight end. Dave, you talked about how good of a pick that mm-hmm. could be. Uh, I think it was a solid draft start to finish for them. Yeah. So Joe, what I about had, you? I had, uh, I think I, I think I would put these guys at a B plus. I know I was originally leaning towards a B. I, I've been kind of toggling back and forth between B and B plus. Um, the biggest thing for me, from a concern standpoint is the running back room. Obviously, we talked about the concerns with Kamara, and I'm not necessarily sure how what the future looks like for for Barkley. Um, you know, and when you also kind of consider that there were, you know, options like, you know, Chris Olave, who I've kind of professed my love for numerous times in the spot, <laughs> uh, available at that point in time, I, I do feel like, this roster could have been very, very strong if you kind of swap Olave in with the Barkley pick and then try and scoop up a little bit of uh, mid-round value at the running back position. That being said, right, we're we're take we're we're these are nitpicks overall. I think this roster is very, very strong. Like Ryan said, the wide receiver room is already with even without Olave there, really strong. Two quarterbacks that are both going to likely produce quite a bit this year. So, um, you know, I like this roster a lot, and I would, I'd say B-plus. I, I would agree they are a contender. So, I mean, I'm probably the most critical of this team, but, again, not that I think this was a bad draft at all. I gave them a B. Getting Mahomes in Superflex, that's a win. Plain and simple. Like, that, that's uh, that's huge to get. Uh, this team, as we mentioned, didn't make any trades, so they just kind of stayed where they were. And, grabbed, and they grabbed value, and they got a lot of value there. Um they, the Mike squared, they got a nice piece across the board. Um, and I think they, and I do think they're going to be the top half of the league this year. I, I, I truly believe that. I love Amon Ron St. Brown. Godwin, DJ Moore, and Pittman, they all have wide receiver one pedigree, but I don't love any of their situations. Uh, so you're like hoping these guys are more wide receiver too. So, like, even though long term they're still young, I, you, like I said, you're hoping wide receiver two, but they're very likely these guys can be closer to wide receiver three uh, outputs or low end wide receiver two. So I'm a little bit more down on the wide receiver room for the current year. Uh, Kamar, as I mentioned, is likely to get suspended, and they don't have a lot of depth behind him at running back. I do like Rodgers this year, but I also think he's only got one to two years left. Like He almost retired. He only came back for the Jets. They're, the Jets were wanted a conditional pick to make sure he played a second year. So, like, it's very realistic he doesn't play a second year. And if he does play another year, that's it. He's only playing two more years. I love, I actually like the value they got in the Giants with Barkley and Waller. I already said Waller was one of my favorite picks. Granted, neither player is a stranger to injury. Um, and, and Barkley does have that contract dispute. So, future, who knows what goes on. Overall, like, I didn't think there was any reaches, but I don't think there were also like any home runs or major hits here. So, I just thought it was like a very solid draft. I think they're going to compete. Um, and that's why I'm giving it a big. Moving on down to Crope, I'll, and I'll, I'll kick this one off. So I'm, I'm giving Crope a B plus. Uh, he made a lot, of, a lot of moves early and often, uh, and I actually believe the move back from Hurts to Fields was a worthwhile one that he got. Um, I, as I mentioned, I, I, 
it's not a certainty, but I don't. I think it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities. The difference between Fields and Hertz isn't as big as we're thinking they could be. But again, that's a lot projected. Kelsey uh, was a big price to pay, but at the end of the day, like that guy is a league winner for the current year and will put up huge numbers. Tyreek, another league winning type of player. He'll win any given week. Uh, so you get those two combined, uh, I think is huge. I actually thought Najee actually was really good value at the back of the fourth for your RB one, who has an improved offensive line. Um, Darnell Washington is going to just improve also with the blocking and he should be held. Like he was good at the back half of last year. He wasn't good to start the year because he had that injury that in the preseason. So I think he'll actually be potentially top 10 running back again, going forward. Cooper and Ridley and even Swift and Pacheco, even though I don't love Swift and Pacheco, they could be contributors here. I'm not saying that uh, when I said they weren't great picks or anything, saying I think we all see the path for them to be good. It's just not like super safe is the only risk, but they can compete. And I, I do like Cooper and Ridley. Um, and he has some upside wide receivers on his bench as well as like some like good tight end depth. So honestly, the only real depth uh, risk I see is love as his quarterback too. Uh, if he does take the step forward, I think Krope is like easily going to be uh, like the, one of the teams to beat. I, I still think he's one of the contenders regardless. Uh, so I thought he had a very strong draft. Uh, Joe, what did you think? Yeah, uh, I would agree. I think um, pro- probably uh, my favorite roster out there right now. Um, I think that he's I, – I graded the roster an A-, minus, but I think he's <laughs> – a Jordan Love away from being an A or an A plus. I think if you just take Jordan Love and punt him to the moon and and su- substitute a, in a better quarterback there. And I'm not sure what Crope's draft capital is like in the in the rookie draft. Do you have any early first rounders? No, that's the thing. He gave away his first both this year and next year, so he doesn't have any firsts. Yeah. Well, nonetheless, um, obviously we talked about Justin Fields earlier, and I'm I'm high on Najee. Pacheco, long-term, no bueno, but this year, uh, plenty to be excited about. Mm-hmm. And he's also got Jared McKinnon on the bench, so however that goes, he'll be mm-hmm. all right there. Uh, you know, if Calvin Ridley hits, um, you know, obviously Swift is in an interesting situation competing for carries on the goal line with Jalen Hurts, but mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a high-powered offense. They're going to throw to him. Uh uh, I, I like the team, and I think he's got a lot of guys. If you look at his bench, too, I, uh, one of the things I talk about a lot is, is bench depth. I like to look at the roster and say, like, yep. looking at your bench, how many guys would I feel good about just, like, randomly throwing in on, on a given week? And McKinnon, Thielen, Aguilar, Claypool, Elijah Moore, Sky Moore, Cole Komet. Like, these are all guys who you could, like, legitimately throw in there. And you cannot say the same about a lot of the other rosters, the benches on the rosters in the league. So overall, uh, I I do think this is a good roster. Yeah, and I I agree. I gave him a B-plus as well. Um, He is my second of three contenders. I think he easily competes this year for a title. The only reason I gave him a B-plus rather than an A is because of the draft capital that we talked about. He, in my opinion, kind of gave up his draft capital over the next two years to get this current team. But there's no doubt he's pretty stacked this year. And, you know, if the guys we've talked about, like Love and Harris and Swift and Pacheco end up, you know, working out, he's going to have a really unbeatable team. Um, So I don't think there's too much more to say. He's got Kelsey, he's contending. And, uh, you know, I think we all like his roster. Yeah. 
Moving on down to the Clark. So this one I think has us the most split across uh, the true value. So we'll start with the bad news first and a send up to the good news to finish this off. So Rye Dog, why don't you start this one off? <laughs> yeah, I gave him a C plus. Uh, <laughs> now Joe Burrow is a stud, but their second QB is Mac Jones. I don't love him. Uh, you know, is he still a startable QB a couple years down the road? Who knows? And then if you look at their backups, uh, wait a second, they didn't draft a single backup QB. <laughs> so, you know, I'm assuming they're going to address that in the rookie draft. But looking at this roster right now, I'm, I'm not loving that QB situation. And then their wide receivers, you know, I love Diggs, but he is older. Uh, Debo Samuel, Dave, you talked about it a little bit. I think there's there's too much talent on that team for him to support high-end numbers uh, anymore, so I just don't see that. Uh, the running backs are definitely strong. I think that's you know where they're probably strongest, um, but I do think there's a lot of risk there. You know, Walker, Pierce, Cook, they could work out and be great, but they also could not work out, and then you know, I think they're weak elsewhere. So I don't love it. It's not the team that I would like to go into dynasty with. Um, but let's hear what you guys think. Yeah, I was, uh, I was in the middle of that. I gave him a B minus. Um, this team made a few picks that I deemed were reaches. And I mentioned it uh, in the previous section. Uh, I personally would have passed on Walker, Debo and Algier at those points. But again, I don't think any of those moves were like detrimental. And I just, I, I don't think they were great values at that point. I thought there were better players on the board. Um, additionally, like the rest of the picks that they made had a lot of safer picks that kind of fell in their laps. Like, and not to say these are not like higher in upside good players, but I Burrow, I obviously is a good pick fell in his lap, but I like also a great guy, a uh, player that can have digs. Very consistent, still like a top 10 wide receiver. Um, but again, he is older, but I, I think it's a good pick. I even like Pierce and James Cook. I know some people are down in, uh, on maybe either both of those or one of those. I think they're both pretty solid picks. I don't think these guys are going to be like like the rolling fire, but I think they're solid running backs to have in the league. As Roy mentioned, QB to me is a, is a risk. Behind Burrow, they have Mac Jones, and that's really it. So, um, you're going to have to rely on other options there. And I don't know if they have the depth to like, to do that. So generally the bench is more dark throws than anything else. If one or two of those guys hit though, which they could hit, I think this team could actually rise a little bit and, I, and that would increase their grade. But as of right now, I'm giving to B minus because there's still some projections that need to be done to make them kind of hit the, that higher level. But Joe, you were the highest on them. What'd you think? Yeah. Um, I gave him a B plus. I really don't hit the roster. right. I think we talked earlier about, uh, my maybe higher than consensus valuation of, of Kenneth Walker at this point. I think he's, mm-hmm. he's being slept on a little much. Uh, obviously, Burrow we've talked about. Um, mm-hmm. Diggs and Samuel and George Pickens. That, that's that's a that's a solid uh, wide receiver mm-hmm. core to me. Uh, there's youth. There's upside. Diggs is not young, but he's not old either. And he's tied to a young quarterback like Josh Allen. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. So if you got another three to four very, very productive years out of Stephon Diggs, I would not be surprised at all. Um, We talked about the Algier pick. You win some, you lose some. But overall, I think that um, there's – you know, there's 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 upside on the bench when you look at uh, Elijah Mitchell, who you could yep. and probably should swap right in there for Algier in the starting lineup, and 
you know, at the tight end position, guys like Alberto and Kate, Kate Otten, who I think are, you know, decently upside, decent upside tight end guys in addition to Dalton Schultz. So the foundation's there. I think there's, I think there are some good pieces here. And I think there's, I think they're on the younger side. So I, I don't hate this one. B plus. Yep. I like it. And that's, that's the beauty of, uh, a fantasy man it's uh the value is all over the place uh next one we got here is uh scotty uh so uh joe why don't you start us off yep um I, i'd say i mean i i and I, i'm gonna bring the roster up but i uh i had i gave scott's roster a b and i and i know that maybe i'm a little bit higher than consensus on this one but i do like i said I mean if you look top to bottom i mean it's a it's a very it's a strong starting lineup i mean like McCaffrey, Mixon, Brees Hall, that's a, a James Conner. Like these are yeah. these are these are all strong running backs. Um Kittle is a strong tight end. Uh we'll see what uh Devontae Adams turns into, but you know, if he ends up hitting, he does have the Garoppolo Adams stack, which mm-hmm. probably will be the uh least intimidating power stack of all time. But it might <laughs> work out. And I mean look. Cooper Cup, too. Like, if we're talking about this year, you know, we can joke about the the, the Tannehill, you know, play the sad music once more, uh, Eckler deal. But, I mean, I think that even despite that move, there's still a lot to be excited about on this roster. And, again, like we said earlier, if you flip over to the bench and you look at the bench and you say, like, how many of these guys on the bench can we just, like, throw in there in a pinch? We got quite a bit. I mean, Jamal Williams. Boston Scott, especially against the Giants, Tyler Boyd, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Ricky James, Darius Slayton, Devin DuVernay. Like, these are all guys you can – no fan. These are all guys you can throw in there. So, um, not only do I think that there's some chance to – for upside this year with some of these older guys who probably have some left in the tank, um, you know, I think I think, he, I think he'll – they'll be just fine for upside. I, uh, so I'll jump because I, I had a similar sentiment, but uh, like had I had the Eckler trade not happened, like literally if he just kept Eckler and didn't make the trade, I would have probably gave his team a B plus. Like I, I agree, I liked his roster a lot. I like he passed on quarterbacks and superflex. Obviously, that's always a risk, but he picked up so many picks, um, constantly moving back. He moved back like I think like three times or something in the first few rounds, and he used those picks to get some league winning game changers at every other position. CMC. Reese are like elite running back assets. They're going to be top five in the position, potentially top five in the position every week that they're healthy. Cup and Adams are both guys who have finished wide receiver one and still have it and will still be wide receiver ones. But like, I mean, like the wide receiver one overall. Um, and they're still considered top 10. They got Judy, Mixon, Kittle, Connor, Fant. Those are all excellent depth, depth pieces. If you threw Eckler in the mix, that'd be great. Like, obviously, he was unfortunate. He didn't have a pick in the seventh round. The QB run in the eighth round kind of derailed his draft, and he got Jimmy G as a starter, Um, which if it was his QB2, again, I think would be fine. Um, But, like, he had – even if he started with that, I think all his other assets that he had, even if he didn't have another quarterback uh, to there, he has such an advantage in every other position. I think it would have been fine if he had kept Eckler. I think the – Move for Eckler was a mistake, so that's the only reason why I'm docking him down there. But, again, as I mentioned previously, I could be very wrong in how this turns out next year. I still think he's going to compete this year regardless. I think he has a lot of, lot of high up 
upside pieces. It will be very solid this year. I, I would project him probably still be a playoff team this year. Um, and honestly, we've seen Scott. He's made a ton of moves. And if we've seen anything from the trade, the people who are the most active, they don't win every trade. Uh, you lose some, you win some, you just keep making trades. And Scott's in sales. So he's, I'm sure, going to make more trades. So I, And he has the pieces to do so. But just coming out of the draft because of that trade, it put a sour taste in my mouth, which is why I docked it. But I still think it's a, a pretty solid roster. But what about you, Ryan? Yeah, I was a little harder on him. Scotty, I love you, but a C was all I could come up with. I just think <laughs> in Dynasty Superflex, I just can't imagine that you can compete year after year with Jimmy G and Tannehill as your quarterbacks. And then on top of that, he gave up his 2024 first. So even if you, know, mm. you think you're going to take a rookie quarterback and that's how you're going to turn around your QB situation, it's almost not there for him. So, you know, I don't love that. I do agree with you guys. I think he has probably the top running backs. If we looked at everyone's teams, he'd probably rank number one there with, you know, Hall, McCaffrey, Mixon. So he definitely can compete, but I think looking full picture, long-term, I just think that QB situation is going to hurt him. Uh, To add insult to injury, there was a report that Jimmy G had foot surgery today. So it's like, he might not even have a starting quarterback, you know, what, who knows? What's uh, so, um, I, I didn't, I don't love going into dynasty with that. So that's yeah. best I could give him. I will no the near term looks like pretty good. The, he definitely needs to make moves in the next year or two. Otherwise it, it'll get ugly, but he has, I will say he has tons of assets to kind of turn around. So this is, again, why I see the wide range. He, he could be good this year. Doesn't have a lot of great long-term pieces. Potentially, he has some good ones, but he definitely has to stay active. I'm hoping he stays active. I think he, he'll, he'll be able to figure it out. But I, I would not be that risk. shocked. I would be shocked if he missed the playoffs. If I, if we were I would be shocked game, if he missed the playoffs. If we, if we were putting gambling odds on his playoff chance this year, I, I would set the line at, like, minus one. Yeah, I think he does, too, but... Next year, if he didn't make any moves, then you start getting risky. But that's where, like, I think he'll make moves um, and, like, mix up the uh, the roster a little bit. Um, moving forward to Canellas, um, I'll start off. I think we're all pretty impressed across the board. I gave him just a flat-out A. Uh, it was a very impressive draft, uh, one that was extremely frustrating for me because he kept sniping everyone I was targeting. Uh, he locked in on uh, a young, high-end quarterback in Herbert. He went early to get his – QB2 and Dak, which as a QB2 is a great option. Like I thought he would be someone's QB1. He got him as his QB2. He got Carr's QB3, which is huge value and gives him a lot of flexibility going forward if he wants to make trades or just like bye weeks or injuries. Uh, he picked up one of the most sought after dynasty tight ends in pits, scooped the Pollard to lock down his RB1 spot, which I think is an incredible spot. Uh, he cornered the market on young wide receivers who have the potential to grow and become high end options. So he got good value there. Like I love Deontay, Ayuk. Burks, even Pierce. Gibson as an RB2 is also great value because I think the commander is going to use him more with his skill set. Um, and he owns the 107 uh, in the rookie draft. Like that, I know that's not part of this, but I just like I'm projecting forward. Like I think he's set up to be competing right now and be and also in the long term. So I just thought it was an incredible draft by Canales. Um, what did you think, Roy? Yeah, I agree. I thought he had a great draft. I gave him an A minus. The only reason I, I didn't give him an A or an A plus. I talked about it before. I don't love Pitts, and then I think his running backs are a little weak. Obviously, Pollard stands out, but um, you know I'm not sold on Gibson and Singletary, uh, so I don't love those as your two and three. But 
I think he had a great draft. He's got a ton of value at QB, tons of young wide receivers, as you mentioned, and I think he ended up with a great team. So I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe I'll throw some counterpoints out there because I agree with a lot of what you guys said. I do think that his draft was strong, but if, if, if I was, if I were to play devil's advocate here, so I was between an A minus and a B plus and why I was considering a B plus, you know, upside is, is, is just that it's upside. And at the end of the day, right? Like these things have to pan out and Kyle Pitts was not a, uh, a usable fantasy asset last season. Traylon Brooks had a lot of injury concerns. Uh, Deontay Johnson did not score one touchdown last season. Antonio <laughs> Gibson is in a crowded back. Two for a positive regression. Yeah. No, I'm, and I'm, again, just playing devil's advocate here, right? Like, yeah. I, I love the Pollard pick. I, I love his two quarterbacks. Uh, I'm very high on Burks and Dawson. I, I think that they are going to be guys that we're talking mm-hmm. about in, like, Tier 1 or Tier 2 next year. Yep. But they're not there yet, right? So that's it, right? Like, Upside doesn't necessarily win championships, and there's a lot of upside here and a lot to be happy about, but it's got to pan out for him. So good draft, and hopefully it will. Uh, some of these guys will work out. Yeah. Moving on down to uh, the trade master Schluter, uh, and also uh, brother-in-law Ryan. I'll let you start it off. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say it, but I gave him my highest draft grade. I gave him an A. <laughs> Uh, he accumulated a ton of rookie draft picks. So even, Mm -hmm. you know, not looking at his team, I don't even know what it is, but he's got a ton of rookie draft picks this year. I know he's got two 2024 first round draft picks next year. So tons of draft capital moved up for Lamar. He's obviously a stud paired him with Kirk cousins for now could realistically end up with three top wide receivers with Brown, Olave and Williamson. Um, Matt, Madison, we talked about, could take over. We've seen what he can do there. He could be a great running back going forward. Brian Robinson showed some promise last year, too. Uh, I really like Evan Engram at tight end for now. So overall, I think a really, really solid team, a ton of draft capital. I think he's set up to compete right now and to compete for years to come. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, I would uh, I would give this one. I was on the border between an A and an A minus. Um, and the running back situation is not my favorite, to be to be frank. Um, I mean, obviously, P Ryan is a good value, and um, Cam Akers and Brian Robinson are values. And, and and look, right, like this is a lot of what I was suggesting earlier, which is you know solidify the tight the the wide receiver and quarterback room. And then just grab a bunch of later mid-round upside guys at running back. So um, I, I think that this is this is the way to go from a roster construction perspective, and that's why I have him on the on the A minus border. Um, I think that he did a good job making moves, and we, we're not, we're not even mentioning the fact that he's got Jameson Williams on his bench, who I mm. actually am pretty high on as well. So if we're looking at a situation where Jameson Williams hits and he's got A.J. Brown, Chris Olave, Jameson Williams as three young locked-in stud wide receivers. In addition to Lamar, that's a that's a good foundation. Plus all the yeah. all the picks he accumulated. So I think I think it was a, a very strong draft. Yeah, I gave him an A as well. He was wheeling dealing so much. I think it just made people dizzy and like didn't realize like what assets he had anymore. Uh, he ended like before even getting to his uh, roster. I'll give you like Ronis pick. He's got two twenty twenty. Uh, four first. He actually ended up this draft with two startup first round picks. So like 
He ended up getting all this capital while also getting two picks in the startup first, but he ended up two first in 2024 rookie draft. What, uh, three of the, what, what spots are those in this year's draft? Well, I'll get to that in this year. So okay. that was 2024. He's got two first. Okay. Then this year, he's got three of the first 13 picks. He's got the 106, the 112, and the 201. And then another, uh, like I think like the 207 or something like that he's got. So he's got a ton of like draft capital this year as well. Um, something put like Schluter just showed like not being afraid of trades and worrying about winning every individual trade. When you look at the body of work, if you're just making trades going on, like being active will benefit you. You're not going to win every single trade. He didn't win every single trade. We look, he overpaid sometimes, but at the end of the day, I think he won the, f- the full trade market there. So I think it, it paid off. Um, and like, then just looking at the talent on his rust, he still did this with getting like high end options. He got Lamar, Obviously, if he reaches his MP, uh, MVP levels, he's going to be a game changer again. Even his QB2 Cousins is a, is a good floor play in a solid QB2. Uh, and he got Purdy, who has a ton of value as well um, as a QB3, who should be getting playing time as well. He got some extremely valuable wide receivers, A.J. Brown and Alave. And then, as Joe mentioned, J-Mo as well, who like we, we don't see him for – he won't start his real game. like We've seen him in the NFL really for like a year and a half. I think he's – Played like, I don't know, like 30 snaps or something. But he's got a ton of talent. He could be a game changer. He went on running back. And honestly, I think he still found great values. Like Even though they're not like game changers, Akers, Brian Robertson, Madison, and uh, P. Ryan, those are four running backs that you can at least throw in. Um, so I think like even though it's not high-end options, I still think that they'll, they'll be startable. And Engram at tight end because he's got Tyre uh, Lawrence as uh, the quarterback. Great, great value there. Um, I, I expect him to be in the plan playoff hunt this year and i'm not going to uh, be shocked if he uses all that draft capital to like upgrade further he's got so much draft capital that we should be watching him to use that to really upgrade his roster in the near term so i, I thought it was a great draft um going down to the rosinski bros um all right i mean ryan you go first and then i'm gonna go last uh on this one but ryan go with the rosinski bros <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're my third team that I think is a real contender this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the RBs alone, they have Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, and Derrick Henry. I mean, you know, no one can really compete with that. Um, they should carry them. You know, I only gave them a B overall, though, because this is Dynasty. I think you got to consider the future, too, and all four of those RBs could see massive swings in their value over the next couple of years. But for this year, there are no doubt that it's an absolutely stacked running back room. Uh, I don't love the QB options. You know, Tua needs to stay healthy. Golf isn't something to write home about, although, you know, he, he is in a pass happy offense and did pretty well last year. Um, the receivers are definitely solid, but I'm not sure any of them are a true wide receiver one right now. So yeah, I think potentially they could win a title this year. Um, and if they make some moves over the next couple of years, they can stay competitive. So be overall, definitely a contender this year. Um, I liked the, like the draft for them. What about you, Jeff? Yeah. Big time win now team. Um, I, I, from a longevity standpoint, I personally have opted to be out on Tua, and maybe that ends up coming back to to haunt me because he's a young dude, and maybe he's able to avoid concussions and have a long and prosperous career. But I, I, I'm betting against that at this point. 
And like you said, a lot of his strength is in the running backs with Henry, Taylor, Eckler, Chubb, who are all very close to, if not over the hill. So near term, the next year to two years, a great situation for him. But, you know, like a, a lot of these running backs, Eckler and Henry specifically, if I owned them right now, and in some leagues I do, they're, they're, they're probably more trade away guys than, than trade for guys. Um, just because their, their value is coming to an end. But if we talk about this year, I think this team is probably the favorite to win it this year. And for the next probably two or three years would say the same, but you know, I would, I'd probably say that it would be wise for them to also consider taking some, getting some value for some of these aging guys. So if they're not in a, Terrible rebuild come 2025. Yeah. I mean, I gave them an A plus, best grade for me. Um, they were very active in the trade market. They missed on some trades. They hit on some trades. They obviously we talked about one that nauseum. Um, I agree, like the two of fell because of the health concerns, which is a legitimate concern. But if he stays healthy, he's gonna put a Q B one numbers. And golf is a QB two. I actually like that as QB2. It's a pass-happy offense. He throws a ton. They don't seem to fully be out on him either, so like he could be sticking around. Um, the wide receiver and like tight end isn't deep on their bench, but they do have like some decent starters and, and young ones at uh, there be with T. Higgins, Devonta Smith, and Njoku, and they even have Christian Kirk as a wide receiver three. But the running backs, we've talked about it. They got uh, JT, Eckler, Chubb, and Henry. There's very realistic – uh, scenario where multiple weeks they have the one through four running back of the week on their roster. So like this year, they're very like they're my favorite to win it this year as of right now. And and as we mentioned, like yes, these guys are on the near end of uh, their uh, their careers, but because they have four of these guys, these are tradable assets, and th- you they're going to be willing to trade them. So like also coming to me out of the draft, like you're trying to accumulate assets and they got assets that can easily be moved and teams are going to need running back. So I, I think they did great. And also to mention, obviously not part of this draft, they have the one Oh five in the rookie draft, which is going to be a very valuable pick. Either they use it or again, they can use it in a trade and combine it. Like they just have so many pieces that they, if they don't do anything, I think they're the favorite to win this year. They can trade some, still be the favorite to be this year and get younger. I just think they have so many options right now and that they're my clear favorite to win this year. And I hate it, for the record. I absolutely hate that they're my favorite. I uh, just want that to be known. Um, <laughs> next, we're moving down to uh, Adam and Katz. I'll start off. Um, they, and I expect this out of Adam. He is just very level-headed and, and uh, analytical. Where all of us are going for quarterbacks and J.J. Falls, he goes and just is patient and gets the best value of the first round and is absolute steal. And then he pairs him with Waddle, who is, like, lethal to have as their, like, one and two. Like, their two wide receivers are better than most people's, like, first wide receiver even adding christian watson who has high variance and he has weak winning upside so you pair those three wide receivers together that all three of them can win a week and i do like etn as the and their rb1 spot as well danny dimes i'm personally high on i know he's got a lot of rushing ability and i still i'm also biased i'm a giant fan but waiting on him getting him in the fourth round i thought was a huge value um in the middle rounds he grabbed some val uh some like solid value pick it as the qb2 don't love them, but I also realize they're probably going to draft a quarterback with the 104. Obviously, not part of this grade, but overall, I gave it a B plus because they 
They stayed water in the early rounds. Later in the rounds, they just kind of they didn't hit any really home runs later on, but they hit some real uh, big home runs to start the draft. So I thought it was a B plus there. Joe, what'd you think? Yeah, so um, gave him a B plus. I think they have an amazing uh, quarterback and wide receiver situation, which is exactly what you want in this format. Um, some good youth and upside at the running back position. Depth might be a little bit of a concern. I don't see too much by way of plug and play guys on the bench right now that they could sub in there if they get bit by the injury bug but uh overall uh strong team and i think well positioned at the at the right spot so um yeah i'm I'm a fan of the roster yeah and i was just a little higher than you guys i gave him an a minus you know my favorite wide receiver group obviously jefferson and waddle hard to compete with that they'll be staples for years to come I also talked about how I love the Daniel Jones pick earlier, so I think that was a huge grab for their quarterback. Um, and, yeah, the RBs, you know, they do have me a little worried, but there is some upside there. But, you know, if Pickett performs, I think they have a really good team, and uh, I liked their draft. Excellent. And then moving on down to Harrison and to Costa, Ryan, why don't you kick it off? Yeah, so I gave them a B plus. I love their wide receiver core. Um, you know, Garrett Wilson, we talked about it a little bit, but I actually do like that pick. Uh, Drake London, I think, you know, he could be in a higher tier conversation in a couple of years. I also already talked about how much I love Hollywood Brown, so I thought that was a great pick. Uh, I don't love their quarterbacks, but I do get – Watson and Smith, they could both have good years. I just question if they'll, you know, continue it for years to come. Uh, Mark Andrews, Joe talked about, I think that that was a great pickup, probably the best dynasty tight end moving forward. So overall, I think they had a solid draft. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, not as high on the team, but there's definitely something to be said for the upside. I gave him a B plus. I mean, there's definitely... Definitely have a great, great team, but it's just a lot for me personally. It's a lot of question marks, right? So, does Deshaun Watson return to form? Does Garrett Wilson take the step with Aaron Rodgers? Is Michael Thomas going to be a, a, a productive fantasy option again? Uh, does Drake London spend the next two to four years of his prime on an offense that is only throwing the ball 18 times a game? You know, is AJ Dillon going to bounce back from posting like a three yards per carry last season. There's just a lot of questions. I, I, I love Andrews. I love Allen. I love Jacobs. I think they're, I think it's a strong team. It's just, if, if you want me to tell you, is this, is this team going to be a contender uh, for, for a title in, in the championship? I think a lot of it comes down to, like I said, a bunch of these guys like Michael Thomas, Drake London, uh, AJ Dillon, Deshaun Watson. If those guys hit, then we got a contender. And if they don't, then we don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hate to say it. I, I actually think they had a, a very strong draft. Uh, I hear that, Dan and Harry. I, I do. Um, begrudgingly. Um, moving back out of the first was a risky move, but ultimately what I think that paid off for them. There was no QBs on the board with that pick. And rather than go for the super elite, they ended up getting, in my opinion, two elite wide, uh, second year wide receivers in Wilson and London. London obviously needs to have an improved situation, but 
he's got the talent and the youth that I think he eventually will become a high-end option. Um, I don't personally love Watson. I think that is the consensus on, on this uh, podcast here. But he has shown the ability to be top five. And who knows, with the full offseason with the team, maybe he returns to some of that form. Uh, but Mark Andrews third in this format is like difference makers. I think Jacobs and Gino were great values in the fourth and fifth. I think Gino is like has no excuse not to be successful next year. Um, Long term, who knows? But at least for the up year or two, I think he'll be great. I think Keenan Allen and Michael Thomas. I know Michael Thomas has injury his uh, issues, but like where they got them, I think was good value. Where it's just it's pure upside at that point. If they hit, uh, as Joe mentioned, I think that'll be the difference maker. And, the bench, though, it's a mix of like interesting option and clearly joke picks like Josh Gordon, Zach Wilson. But those are uh, ones that they cut. But again, um, I, I think it was a very strong draft. And knowing that they're going to be going into the rookie draft, the 103, um, I think the team only gets stronger. So I, I gave them an A. Um, yeah, I mean, if down, we want to talk about, we've oh, been saying guys that you could throw in in a pinch, right? Dulcich, oh, yeah, Skronik, yeah. uh Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Damian Harris, Baker Mayfield. These are all guys you could. You exactly. Probably this season. So there's, yeah, they got a good bench, but then you have like the guys who you know are just straight up for the, the content. Yeah, if only um, they didn't waste <laughs> it on uh, Josh Gordon and Josh, Exactly. Uh, yeah, I feel like Josh Gordon has been put on the trade block four times already. Um, <laughs> moving down, it is my team. I will abstain from this, but uh, I'll let you guys duke it after who goes first or second. Uh, yeah, I'll jump in. So initially had you graded as a B, but later actually upgraded you to a B plus considering that I, I was, um, a sort of looking for overlooking Javante Williams, uh, lingering on the bench. I think that that makes a big difference. The main issue for me with your roster, honestly, is the, is the absence of a QB two. And then if you kind of take a step back and realize that you have the, the one Oh two in the startup, which is likely going to turn into your QB two, um, you know, your team probably becomes closer to uh, an A minus of great. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I think that you have a couple situations that we'll have to see how they pan out, right? Like, does Javante come back to form and how long does it take? Mm-hmm. Does J.K. Dobbins have the second year after the ACL bounce back? Does David Montgomery still hold value with the drafting of Jameer Gibbs? How much does Tyler Lockett still have in the tank? Odell Beckham, does he have like legitimately anything in the tank? Uh, you know, I but but I think that there's <laughs> I, I think that there's a there's a lot of young pieces here that are strong, and when you consider the fact that you're going to have two young quarterbacks, uh, a, a solid young tight end, some some solid young uh, wide receiver and and uh, running back pieces, um, yeah, I think you're. I think you're firmly on the cusp of B plus and A minus. Yeah, and I went with the A minus. I thought you had a great draft. Um, I talked about it before, but I loved the move up to grab Lawrence. Uh, I do think he's going to be a legit quarterback uh, for quite a few years. Uh, You are definitely lacking that second QB option, but as Joe said, I'm kind of assuming you're going to take a rookie QB with that second overall pick. So if he gets thrown in there, then, you know, that fills that void. Uh, I think running back is potentially your weakest. Like Joe said, there's definitely some question marks there, but there is a lot of upside. If it works out, then, you know, you'll definitely have some solid running backs. 
I love CD Lamb. I had him as you know one of my favorite picks of the first three rounds. Um, Hopkins and Lockett are older, but for right now should be pretty good options. And then I actually really like Hawkinson as uh, your tight end one. So I think you had a good draft. Thank you. Um, now, <laughs> moving to Joe's pick. Uh, no, you guys are all – it's a lot of risk on my, on my team, but if it hits, it hits. If it doesn't, whatever. I'll move on. Uh, Joey Gallup, it's the last team. It's been a marathon. Uh, Joey will abstain. Um, I'll start it off um, since I was quiet last round. And I'm just going to say, because I was drafting right before Joey, drafting at the end is just rough. Uh, it's like impossible for players to fall for you. You, you. And if there's someone you want, you have to reach. Like You're not getting better. Like, it, I think you saw our best grades came from the middle of the rounds. The end of the round is just like impossible. Uh, that being said, like with that scenario in mind, I think Joey came out pretty well. Uh, moving up to grab Chase uh, and pairing with DK, which I don't I think we overlooked. DK was actually a, a good draft value there, too. I think that's like a very lethal combo. Kyler's value is suppressed a little bit because of the injury, but he actually may start the beginning of the year. And if he does, he's shown that he's a top 10 QB option. Uh, I like the move to get Sand move up to get Sanders and grabbing Dalvin where he falls. Like it's very well that Dalvin's like a top 10 running back next year again. Like, and I so that's great. Value. I love Godard as, uh, as I mentioned. Evans and Bateman, I actually think they have their question marks. Obviously, uh, like they they have uh, Evans is shutting down with a bad quarterback. Bateman hasn't proved to be healthy, but they also have shown they could be very strong options as well. So, like I think those are the variables that can kind of tilt his team either direction. And the bench does have some interesting options. I thought Carter was a good depth piece. Even Warren is a good one. Dobbs, Shakir, and McBride. Like McBride was a what is it? First or second round? tight end pick for the, uh, the uh, Cardinals. So like there's a lot of health and production that could uh, uh, for a lot of these options, but the team is going to come down to the quarterbacks. Uh, and it is really coming down to like ex- hoping these quarterbacks are healthy and for the most part improve. Uh, like Kyler, as I mentioned, I like Stafford and Russ, like you're just, they need to be healthy and they need to improve. If they're not, this team's going to be in trouble. Um, fortunately you have, like, and honestly, I think it could go 50-50. Like, I think that's the best odds I would give for either one of them. I think – because Stafford had, like, that neck issue. If he's actually healthy, I think he'll produce. And I, I'm actually a Stafford fan. I, it's just health for me with him. Russ, I have more questions because it kind of is health. It kind of is just skill set. But they both have upside. They both have a lot of good weapons. So if they – just one of them hits, I think this team is uh, going to be okay and we compete for a playoff spot. Also – we keep saying all this, and again, I, I'm not giving him credit for the, having the one-on-one in the rookie draft, but he's going to have Bajan on this team. So, like, this draft grade is not where I think he's going to be in the power rankings. I think his team's going to be higher in the power rankings. So, even though I'm giving him B, that's purely on the startup grade. It's not where I think he's going to actually be at the end of the day. Um, but with that being said, what about you, Ron? Yeah, I gave you a B plus. You know, I'll start with your wide receivers. I think – you actually have potentially the strongest wide receivers after maybe Adam. Obviously, huge move up for Chase. I think that'll be worth it. I think DK was a great grab. And then, as Dave said, Bateman, Evans, Myers, all those guys could be really good um, if things go their way. So love the wide receivers. Running backs, I do love Sanders. Cook is obviously a question mark, but as Dave said, he could work out great this year. And then you know, obviously you have the 101, so assuming you might go with Robinson there. My biggest <sighs> knock is the quarterback. You know, I personally am not a huge fan of Murray, so I don't love him as your QB1. And then, 
I hate Wilson. So as your QB, I'm just not a fan. And, you know, Stafford as your backup definitely could be there, but they're both so both older. So I uh, don't love the QB situation, which is why I couldn't give you an A, but still a solid B plus. I think you had a good draft. Well, and that is all the great show. Do you have any rebuttals, I guess, before I, I close this section out? No, no. I mean, that's it's really, you know, there's a lot of question marks at quarterback position for my team. Even if Kyler is healthy in week one, what kind of season do they have? They're projected to have like the second or third fewest wins in the whole league. Yeah. So they, and they have the first and they have two, they're going to end up with two very high picks in next year's draft. So this is Caleb Williams going to be the quarterback of Arizona next year. And where does that leave Kyler? And obviously he's been busted back to form. So, yeah, a lot of questions, but we'll see. Drafting at the end sucks. I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, but um, with that being said, that that was all the grades in the league. Uh, if you have any comments, feedback on the grade we gave you, leave it in the comment section. Let's get uh, let's get some ent- extra interaction on this pod. Uh, but with that said, that closes out the grade uh, section of our podcast. Cue the baseball music. All right, moving on to our final quick hitter. We're just going to quick overview of the rookie draft. Um, we are going into the rookie draft next week. Um, Joey is currently on the clock. He has the first overall pick. Um, we've talked about it. it's likely going to be Bajan. I have the second overall pick, likely going to be a quarterback. I'm leaning the guy from uh, Indianapolis, Anthony Richardson. Uh, you may have I may have showed my hand in the draft when I grabbed Minshew um, as like a, in, insurance there. Um, if Joe does not go Bajan, I'm, uh, I kind of try to position myself by grabbing percent with uh, Howell as like just in case Howell doesn't work out. I have the backup there, but uh, yeah. With that on the set, uh, Joe, I guess what are you looking forward to? What are you excited about the draft other than Bajan? Um, and do you have any like tips or strategies or anything else related to the rookie draft? Uh, I am excited about Bijan. I will say that. <laughs> yes. You just a little bit. I want to put him on my roster now. Um, Very much. <laughs> I, it's, I will say for me personally, it's exciting to have the 101, but the fact that I'm not picking again until 24 or 25. And also, like, you know, if we kind of, like, revert back to the, the trade I made for Khalil Shakir, like, part of the reason I made that trade is because, uh, I'm not pick my second pick is not until the 24th overall. So overall, it'll it'll be interesting to see how the the league values some of these rookies. You know, we just had our dart up in another league, uh, Superflex Dynasty League recently, and uh, it was interesting to me to see how uh, how that one went down. So, um, Joe, let me ask yeah. you a question. So on the last podcast, you said you weren't a hundred percent sold on Bijan, and we just talked about how QBs may be your weakest position. Any thought to potentially going quarterback? You know, uh, short answer is no. So <laughs> I spent I've spent some time just kind of at this point. I would say I'm committed to Bijan because of the way that I drafted, which was uh, going younger at the wide receiver and uh, the wide receiver position and um, not really giving myself too much upside at running back outside of, I mean, my boy, Miles Sanders, but outside of that, I had uh, Dalvin. And and I I mean, I I just think that Bijan has the highest probability of being 
a a really valuable fantasy asset um, relative to some of these other quarterbacks who I have my concerns about all of them. You know, I can, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it became clear pretty soon after when I started looking at projections and listening to some of the people that I trust that not taking Robinson with the one on one would have been an asinine decision. So that was it. It would have been, and I was, I mean, don't be wrong. I was kind of hoping you would. I was like, oh wait, there's a chance I get Bajan, but I know that's dashed now. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. For me, obviously, I'm next on there. I, I'm excited to get a, a quarterback because that seems to be the biggest pitfall of my team. And I kind of drafted assuming I would get a quarterback. Um, I am interested because for me, I think the top – there's like a couple tiers within the first top 10 picks. But for me, the first time, there are clear, in my mind, top 10 assets in the this format for the rookies. Um, I'm interested to see if it plays out that way. Um, also interested, like, as I mentioned, Schluter has, like, a ton of picks. I'm just curious if he, like, uses them all, if he trades any of them or moves up or whatnot. Um, but, yeah, other than that, it's, like, no real tips in there. It's a, there's just – it's funny. Whenever you look at any mock drafts or rankings, after you get past, like, the top ten again, the rankings start getting wildly – like, the ADP is all over the place. So it'll be interesting to see where it's heading. Like, Joe mentioned we saw some, like, rookie drafts. People ended up in weird spots. Uh, so it'd be kind of interesting again to see like what this league does. Uh, I'm also very interested to see what the Wilkinsons do with their first pick at the 312. Uh, so, it's a big one. Yeah. It's a big <laughs> one. I'm really <laughs> pumped for the rookie draft in 2024. 24. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be sipping on a pina colada at the beach. But uh, yeah, excited to see what you guys do. Yeah. Well, with that, Brian, do you have, uh, as this being your first rookie draft, any other questions or uh because you're not really participating in it you don't really care no i don't think so i mean having been through the startup draft now i I think you know that gives you some insight into how the rookie Mm -hmm. draft will go um so i think it'll be interesting to see where some of the guys fall in the first round and uh yeah i'm excited to get the season started yeah me too that's what uh even more trades will happen but with that being said, it's been a marathon, boys. Uh, happy to have done it with you. But that is the end of the show. I am looking forward to the startup draft. And once the startup draft ends, we'll start uh, going through. We'll, we'll analyze it and maybe start giving out our initial power rankings. But with that, we will be signing off. So thank you very much, guys. If you made it this far and you're listening to this, cheers. Especially if you did it not on like one and a half or two X speed. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah.